I just don't think you understand ASMR. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe someday on the podcast we can discuss it. Oof. I got to say, I went outside for the first time in a few days today during my lunch break. I don't know what exactly I was expecting. I wasn't expecting like 28 days later. Mm-hmm. But I thought maybe like a little more subdued, a little fewer people out and about. No, it's just a bunch of assholes farting around like usual. Most of them old. It's like you people are going to die. Yeah. So I went what to, are you doing? I went to the Target here right by you uh-huh. um, where supplies and food are tons of people. Also, lots of old folks just doing their normal grocery shopping. We happen to live next to like a big old like senior community golf course thing. Quite a few, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I suspect that uh, there's a high percentage of Fox News viewers among us. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. You've been warned. Get the fuck off the street. Well, <laughs> the problem is you haven't really been warned by your news sources if mm. you're one of those people. No, uh, we, we tried to warn you. I'm sure your kids tried to warn you at some point. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, I got it's real. like you're retired. Just go back to your golf course. What are you doing? Well, like it's I guess there's no overlap, though, with that community and Tom Hanks. Like it didn't get real enough. for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, any other situation, the Internet would have been full of like bad friday the 13th jokes i today. think everyone forgot it was friday the 13th. yeah i i straight up did yeah. until someone sent me something it was just like all of this 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 and it's friday the 13th and i was like it, is it a, is it a weekday man mm-hmm. what day is this are you uh have they sent you home or uh, still working i am still working if i choose oh, yeah? if yeah. you choose yeah is it like you can get paid oh yeah or you can choose to not work is that what it is I mean, I can choose to take like my vacation okay. time. Ah, week. Yeah, but I don't have to deal with human beings. So, oh, are they close? They, they I love close. it. Okay. I fucking love it. Oh, you're set then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roll in when I want to roll in, or roll out when I want to roll out, which is sometimes a <laughs> half an hour later. Yeah, I, I am very privileged to be working at home right now. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's good a situation as one could be in. I would say, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you and I have discussed several times, we'll be fine. But well, theoretically, also, that's still you know you flip a coin five hundred times, it's gonna land the way you don't want once. That's probably not a good analogy for that. But you got a one in six yeah. chance of Russian roulette. You could be farting around. No, trying to get some bullets out of that gun. Be like yeah. a one in five hundred chance, but still, you know. But um, well, I mean, I, I feel like it will get worse before it gets better. But um, I'm also not a eugenicist. I don't want these old people to die. I don't necessarily. I don't want them to get infected because then they'll infect other people. You know, it's true. That's the thing too. Is is it really doesn't matter if it's gonna harm you. Like you don't need to be out necessarily affect, infecting other people. That's why self quarantine is not a bad idea. I mean, I'm basically self quarantined right now, except for the fact that we're sitting. I don't know what five and a half feet. It's not quite six feet from each other. Yeah, it's not quite. Yeah, six feet. we're probably infecting each other right now. Yeah. I mean, I've got some hand sanitizer. We can just squirt it at each other. I don't know. This movie, man, it might get there for me. Get where? It's going to infect you. Just just squirting things. Yeah. Okay. Needing to lather up with that uh, cleaning agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. It's this will be good for our, uh, our loved ones can listen to this podcast in a couple weeks when we're dead. Yeah. Be like, listen to these assholes. It's a dark time, and it's darker because mm-hmm. we don't have good leadership. We just don't. That's true, yes. Shall we start the pod? Might as well.
Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco. And we're back because, uh, you know, people might have a little extra free time on their hands. You're going to keep all those in? Mm, probably not. Okay. <laughs> this week on the pod, we're going to be talking about The Last of the Mohicans. Yep. 1992 film, I believe. Yep. Cool. Directed by Michael Mann, starring Daniel Day-Lewis, Madeline Stowe. Before we get to that, though... Let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to lately, media-wise. What have we been up to lately, media-wise? Uh, so I caught up on Picard, mostly. I think there's a new episode I haven't watched. Last night? I've I've watched up to the one with Deanna, Troy, and Riker. Oh, you're you're yeah. one behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to text you a quick picture while you, okay. while you talk about while Picard. I talk about Picard. I, I find it'll it's, be... Um, is it the one you tweeted, or is this a different this one? This is a different one. Okay. Picard is... It's just another 2020 streaming TV show that probably should be better. It's like you've obviously dumped some money into this. You went out and you got some of the cast. You're trying, but it's just like, oh, look, it's like every other TV show out there. It really is. Oh, yeah. Riker and Picard there. Embracing. (laughs) There's a lot of embracing in that episode. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Frakes is just happy to see him. Oh, a message from our CEO from AMC Theaters. They finally got shut down. To our valued members. Basically, like, discussing yeah. yeah, limited scene, whatever. Uh, where is I? Picard. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're both on the same page there. Where it's kind of like, it's kind of, it's nice to see Patrick Stewart as Picard again. And, you know, like seeing Riker and Troy was fun, but it just isn't very good. Yeah. What was the last show that was like good? Like The Witcher was like like stupidly entertaining, you know? It wasn't like amazing or anything, but like I feel like I wasn't let down by it. No, I mean comparatively the fact that I watched all of The Witcher in less than 24 hours, yeah. like that's not something I, mean, I would do. Watchmen was good. Watchmen. Watchmen. Watchmen was excellent. Um love Veronica Mars. I, I think of like the kind of like reboot reunion type whatever that to me is the only one so far that's really felt successful mm-hmm. probably because they'd already done a movie with all the fan service so they had like gotten that out of their system i mean still a little bit but but manageable yeah yeah i mean I, I'm, I'm well aware that many of veronica mars fans are not happy with that season yeah but, you uh, you just got a deaf sentence put yes. on your head by mm-hmm. daring to say you like that last season um yeah man picard it's it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> I am not like, hating would, it, but it's ridiculous. Get rid of all these other characters. They all suck. I'm God, sorry. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, I, so they do this thing now where they do like the little flashback at the beginning of episodes yeah. about something. Yeah. And it's like, this really shouldn't be where you dump the crucial backstory to some element of that you're, you're I feel like up. that's like a failure of storytelling that you're constantly having to, to dump Info, well, information the, the like that. The you biggest know? one, presumably the one that's like everything else is leaning on, they just do in like five minutes at the start of this last episode. Oh yeah, they're like off screen. They're like, oh, this character you've met twice. They're the they're the secret villain of all of it. And it's like, really, seriously, like that's it? God yeah. damn it! Um, fucking Rios, fucking Raffi. Whatever they're doing to Alice Pill, it's so fucking weird to watch Allison Pill and Star Trek Picard and watch Allison Pill and Devs. And it's like kind of the same character, but not entirely. No, I would say not entirely. Yeah. <laughs> One of them I like a lot more. Um, also, Dez, we can. I don't have anything else to say about Picard. It's just 
I'm purely watching it because I like Patrick Stewart pretty much. Yeah. Like if, if this was like Star Trek Discovery, like I checked out on that show after like three episodes. I mean, it feels weird to me that the character of all the new characters who maybe works the best is Elnor. But he's like, he's like a just out of the box cliche is just like. Well, he's a couple cliches, though. He's like their wharf and their data kind of mix into one. He's like cool ninja guy with a sword. We love that. But he's also like a little bit naive about the ways of the world, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's fine, whatever. It's like genre staple, but it's not amazing or anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and just the the way that like, what is it, Soji? Like Soji's just like, start a sentence like, I don't know who I am. And then it's like somebody will say something and she's just like, I know this detail about my backstory now is that it- I just realize it's not even like a, a facial yeah. tick of emoting is it me or was dodge somehow the more interesting one even though yes. we got like yes t- 10 minutes i of don't know why but dodge <laughs> was so much more interesting and they killed that one off yeah <laughs> and we've had hours of soji now yeah fucking neric and they fucking love uh peyton list like way too much rizzo yeah is it her name that was like her her alias i think i and her real name's like something else okay i don't know well, everyone has a secret Romulan. Yeah. Romulans have like fake front doors. We learn. <laughs> it's just like, you know, we, we haven't seen a ton of Romulan culture. We sure should haven't seen any of this. I'm before. trying to remember if it was on the We Hate Movies podcast or another one. They're talking about how like in Romulan culture, like you, re- you haven't like matured until you realize your parents aren't actually your parents or something. <laughs> it's like everything's fake and a lie. I just, I'm fascinated that like, I don't know. For all the complaints about um, Discovery, I think at its core, it's still a, a Star Trek show that like a network is trying to beat into being a, a modern, different kind of show. Picard, I don't think it's a Star Trek show at its core, and that's the kind of the problem. It really isn't. No, it just happens to feature Picard. It just it amazes weird me. Weird sci-fi story. The best thing I can say is that they're trying to do is like a type of storytelling they did on Deep Space Nine that they're not doing remotely as well. But it's special effects. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Des. I they think there was a third episode that just came out. I haven't seen yet, but seen the third the episode two. has a sound at the beginning that fucking set my cats up the wall. Really? Like it fucking activated does it, does it like make it move? Like that kind of sound? No, no, it like activated them to like murder bots. Hmm, okay. Yeah. It was wild. Didn't you like give me an approximation? They it like, bong. It's uh it's a, in the static family. Oh, okay. It's it's with the machine. Hmm, okay. Yeah. There's an element of the the I, I the machine I find to be so frustrating. I I like I like the idea of the mystery box in general. The idea that you can create this thing where like like Arrival. I like sitting in the theater for Arrival, like genuinely wondering, cherishing that like hour where I don't know what's going on, and then you want a good payoff. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Devs is uh, doing that, and I really wanted Devs to give me that same Mister Robot well, vibe. Two episodes into Devs, I was like, man, this would make a really cool movie. I, I caught a little bit of the AV Club interview of him where they're asking him about the pacing and the having the space, et cetera. And, you know, he's talking about his obviously he likes Sergey. And it's like, <sighs> why? You could have a half an hour of Sergey before you transition over to Lily, but like in a movie that has to be seven minutes and he just didn't want to do that. Sergey is a fucking dud, man. The sooner Sergei, you're Sergei's rid of that guy, the better. Well, Sergey's handler has got so much more life in yeah. him. <laughs> I was like kind of bummed to see that Sergei guy. Sergey is like this black hole in the middle of the first episode. Is the handler the guy from Spotlight? Is he the guy who's like, don't go near this house with his kids? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I'll look that up. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's a mustache and spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of like I kind of like all of the Amaya team. I like Kenton. I think. I didn't think kid? I would, no Kenton's the uh, the security chief. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't think. I I don't know why he's, he's the doing all boss of this. from Fight Club, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know why he's doing all of this work. Yeah, like, do they not have a <laughs> get some underlings? Like a second in command. <laughs> well, at the end of the second episode, it's like, did he tell anyone before he goes and confronts this uh, <laughs> Russian spy here? Because yeah, spoilers. But that, that might not have worked out. And then yeah, and then Nick Offerman's almost didn't like, work out. Where the fuck is my security yeah. chief? <laughs> I have one security guy for this entire <laughs> massive company. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I like how I don't know. It's kind of funny to me. So the the bit where like Sergey goes into the bathroom in the first episode, like freak out about the code, and he comes back and he's like sitting at his desk looking at the code afterwards in such a, a weird way that you have to wonder, like, hey, I wonder if there's a camera in his watch. And then like later they're like, we knew about your fucking James Bond camera watch, and it's like then maybe you're doing it wrong, Sergey. Yeah, you suck, Sergey. I'm sorry. You deserve to die. Both the audience and the bad guys can figure it out. Also, good on the Amaya team for like the uh, theatricality of the fake death of Sergei. Mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, the, the way you can't really do as much of an autopsy. Still, you know, I, I feel like it's so weird. You're never going to be able to fully understand it. You know what I mean? Like it's going to have such a shroud of mystery. Okay. Around that that is the guy from Spotlight. He also plays the president in Dark Phoenix. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. That guy's interesting. I don't know his name. <laughs> the Brian Darcy James. Okay. Those three first names there. Like, like a presidential assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this podcast just got flagged by the NSA for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I enjoyed the first episode. Episode two kind of went down on my meter. It moved a lot less. I think it just has that feeling that a lot of shows have where it's like, I guess you're you're really padding it out. You know? well, what, you're taking your time. What also frustrated me is so I downloaded the first episode. In episode one, you really don't know what they're doing in devs. Like you don't know what the mystery yeah. box does. I didn't start watching episode two yet. I watched the like this season on devs mm. thing, and it tells you in that essentially okay. what the box does or the the thing does. And I was like, that's frustrating to me to not get that from the show. Did you ever read the book uh, Timeline by Michael Crichton? I did. I couldn't help but think of that while watching the show because uh, Timeline also involves quantum computing. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's like this, you know, big evil genius company has invented, uh, they've done all this research into like quantum physics and invented time travel. For like the. And they're going to monetize it. But, but to build accurate. Well, no, theme no. Park. So the way they're going to monetize time travel that they've invented is they're going to go back in time, observe like a castle, mm-hmm. and then come back and like make a build a replica of the castle exactly the same way as it was, and then make it a theme park because people crave authenticity. Like what if that you, was like they're like this is how we will monetize time travel. Like imagine if you could conquer the entire fucking universe. Just to build a better Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's like the M-Brain theory where it's like you're not really going back to your linear past. You're going to like an alternate timeline. But then unfortunately, the event, spoiler for Michael Crichton's 20-year-old plus book, they like alter the past in this alternate timeline. They come back to their their present and their present's been changed 
by what they did. Was it change or was it like well, always they, that way? Because the guy, the 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 teammate yeah, yeah. dies and they go to visit his grave now. Like but like, was it was friends. it always that way? I can't remember if it was one of those type of deals or yeah. it's like it always you know worked out that way. The best part is when they when they walk out of the thing and the knight just rides up and like cuts the dude's head off immediately. It's like that's, that's right, rough. bitch. That's rough. The past is harsh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess I'll keep watching Des. It's interesting. I guess I I still would rather it just be a movie. I feel like it could have easily been one. You know. But like, is there really going to be like? On episode three oh nine of Devs, like I can't see it going that long. No, no it's know? meant to be. It's meant to be it's a, a miniseries. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't want it to be Annihilation, but there was this kind of sense throughout Annihilation that I don't really know. It's obviously not the book. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess I wanted a little bit of that. I wanted a slightly weird prestige. I wanted the Mister Robot slot in my life to be filled, hmm. and I don't know the Devs. What's your elite hackering? Not that, like the, I don't know how to explain it. Like not, not the technology show, just the weird artsy, they're, they're filming it differently. They're doing a different kind of storytelling. I wanted that itch scratched. Um, I'm at the point now where I want the sinner to end the season at least. Oh yeah. 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 Well, you know how I feel about that. You were upset about the cults in season two. I don't like cults. I think cults are bad, bad TV. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I like the leftovers is one of the only shows that kind of made it work. Mm. Um, but, and also I don't like the kid, like fuck that kid. So season two, you didn't season know. two. Yeah. Season one was great. Okay. I'm talking about season three. Yeah, I know. Um, the problem of season three's storyline is not that it's not interesting. It's they're definitely trying something differently. It's like they've taken the full swath of like the, how it affects Bill Pullman's character mm-hmm. out of it. And so it's kind of like, I'm like, Harry, why are you? Why I, do you care? Why are you involved? I, mean, I think that's. I could even say about the first season, I was never super into like his side of things. But I think by at least trying to say that there's some kind of resonance between his whole S and M needing to be punished yeah. vibe, there was something there. Yeah, um, and then the other show that I've been trying to watch a little bit, I think I'm only on like episode four or five, is Nancy Drew. It's okay. It just seems so. I don't know, mediocre. I just, I wish it had a little more ambition and like maybe some production values. Would you not argue though? They have the building blocks for a great show there. Yeah. I mean, except for Scott Wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scott Wolf. They just kind of get short. rid of that guy, man. Scott Wolf and the guy who plays uh, Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. 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 Um, the character that I think will surprise you that will become, come your boy is mm-hmm. Ace. Ace. Yeah, he's whatever. I thought I was going to hate Ace, and like now I'm like generally thrilled whenever Ace. The, the shows production up. value bothers me. I mean, maybe they'll get more money in season two, but it, it just looks really cheap to me. Well, they they dump it on some bad ghost effects. I'm not sure why the show needs ghost effects, other than the fact that like it wasn't like exciting or spooky enough without them. Because mm-hmm. they so far it's just like been a bunch of dumb scares. I don't think they will, but they've gotten to a point in this very last episode where theoretically you could never do ghosts again. They should. They even though it. it's Doesn't like, need it. like George's mom's like a medium or or whatever. Mm. Um, but what do you think about Nick? I, I feel am, like they don't have chemistry. Well, this is a problem that I feel like a lot of these shows do where the the main relationship, the main ship, 
it is, ends is already Spoiler. it ends whatever yeah. but the main ship is already happening mm-hmm. when the show starts and it's that's not intriguing to the viewer at all like yeah. it's fun when it's like oh these two characters they seems like they've got some on street chemistry maybe they're gonna put them together down the line and you kind of like see that develop but when they're already together especially when they don't have any chemistry it's just like eh. there's one other relationship and this will pivot to the next topic i want to go into but there's one other relationship where you see the character meet their their new romantic interest uh-huh. this romantic interest only has maybe six scenes in the entire episodes that so i've they, seen so they definitely did it yeah well for sure they've done it yeah. but but whenever that character the, the new romantic interest is not on screen we're led to believe that this is like their serious relationship that they're locked into. And it's like, this is a new form of storytelling. This is the problem with the, I mean, I'm, I'm working a segue to the perfectionist podcast. <laughs> I just remember how, how cute it was when like Hannah still hated Caleb yeah. and she like yeah. walked over and just like kicked him in the shoe. Yeah. It was like, yeah, that, that was fun. You yeah. Know? They built like eight legs on that table and then you could fuck all over that table. Mm-hmm. Like, it that people don't want to do that anymore, and that's you don't, think, don't know anything about me. No, you don't know anything about you. Well, they they organically earned that fucking absolutely bizarre in a high school show shower scene. Yes, <laughs> and even then they had they know to like we're gonna go there, but we're not all the way gonna go there. We're still gonna back it off yeah. again. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they made you. They made you want it. They yeah, you crave it. You got to build up to it. You yeah. can't just be like these two were bony in like the first scene of the show. And yeah we're supposed to care about them. <laughs> and somehow, I don't know what it is in show math, like nine years later or whatever, they're going to get married. Six, seven, six, seven You're years later. You're talking about PLL now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, six, seven years later, Ezra and Arya are going to get married because they boned in the first episode. I mean, even with them, at least you could say they they met in the first episode. It wasn't yeah, like they true. were already together. True, true. You know, which is why that Nancy Drew with Ned Nickerson, or that's his name, right? Yeah, they call him Nick. It's like he's Ned Nickerson in the books, but they like to call him Nick in the show or something like that. I mean, they're not really taking a lot. It's yeah. Not, I'm thinking the books is gospel per se. But it's like they're already together and I don't we and, and they're also like supposed to be like a casual hookup, but then like they're not sometimes, but they are. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to think of this relationship. Yeah. At one point they do what had to be a straight up chemistry trash between her and Ace. And it's mm. like failed. No, it's not. No? It's like it's mm. like oh, I'm kind of into this. They're not going to touch it, but I'm kind of into it. I, I feel like Nancy has chemistry for everyone but Nick. But they do find a character for him where I think he plays a little better. Like there's a little more chemistry. Yeah, but yeah. But the fucking Scott Wolf of it all. Scott, Scott Wolf, Wolf is and, always going to be a little boy in our eyes too. Yeah, he he just comes off all wrong and he he sticks out. Yeah, you know. I mean, Scott Wolf is like the one actor. That I really don't think people would have a lasting problem if he did the nine hundred two one zero thing, where he's just like, "Hi, I'm fifty, but I'm playing a teenager." <laughs> like if he just showed up as like their, they're like, I don't know, when they go back to school, like I am just one of your schoolmates. Like okay, sure, sure. <laughs> That's the other thing. They're all like out of school. I don't know. I just I feel like they're they got eighteen. The, I feel like they got the mix of the show wrong. You know? Yeah. Well, like it's like any other if, show, if they're gonna be out of school, make them all like twenty two. Well, any other show, it would be fucking scandalous that like Ryan Hudson's fucking George. Yeah. Nope. Not on this one. Anyway, I guess I'll keep watching because, uh, you know, got a lot of free time in my hands now. Well, I hope oh, for at least another few weeks. There's a lot of things wrong with that show. 
there are parts of it that I still, I don't know, I've started to enjoy more. And it's like, I'm, I'm responding to my hope for it more than the reality of it, I guess. So I hope you at least get there. I mean, at least it's, as far as I know, it's not the Riverdale guy, right? So no, no, no. At least you don't have to worry that it's just going to get really fucking stupid. Yeah. I don't think he has anything to do yeah. with it. Thank God. Thank fuck. All right. Well, shut down Riverdale. What? They shut down a lot of shows. Oh yeah. Fucking everything shut down, man. Yeah. So quarantine. Uh, what do you listen to? Um, I don't know. Uh, those things. I, uh, there's like a new Fantagram album. I, I downloaded, but I haven't really absorbed just, I don't know. I got to find out. It's going to be at home or, or, or alone. listening to a lot more music. So yeah. Um, I guess I listen to the new killers. Yeah. I liked it. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Just okay. I mean, have you been really excited about that band for a while? I mean, not since like uh, Samstown. But yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a good killer song now. And then I, you know, there was a there was a moment where I thought they were on the precipice of going even bigger, and then they kind of just put that that moment away. Yeah. Uh, are you reading anything? Um, still working my way through the Amber Sparks, but I was about to start Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. What about you? Trust Exercise. Mm-hmm. What is that? Are you? Is it about learning to trust? No. No. Okay. It's about trusting your exercise. No. Okay. It's about uh, teenagers at a school who misbehave. Hmm. I'm not reading anything right now. Okay. I guess I should. I don't know. You got time? Maybe get back into it. Yeah. I'm getting back out into the world at a good time right now. <laughs> just gonna put on a gas mask and just go out like York Brown. I was really hoping there'd just be no one outside when I went out today, and it was not the case at all. Mm. You were like wearing like scrubs, and like only half your face was shaved. Or... Mm-hmm. But I just bought a uh, an exercycle, so I think everyone can thank me for ending the coronavirus, uh, you know, tragedy pandemic. Because as soon as that thing arrives, it's going to be like it's all okay. You can go outside now, and mm-hmm. I just won't override that thing. No, oh, bummer. I was like, I was like, where are you going with that? Are you gonna like just like sweat away the disease? Well, it just it just seems it would be so typical. It's like, all right, I got my exercise for indoors, and then it's like, nah, it's all cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's getting hot. Who wants to go outside when it's hot? Yeah. All right. Well, let's... I can we can we both watch. Well, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched part of Contagion. Oh yeah, I watched all of it. Can I ask a question? That I'm confused about. And sure. Maybe it's contained elsewhere in the movie because I haven't seen it really since I saw it in the theater the first time. Okay. I'm confused about Matt Damon and Gwyneth's kids. So the there's it's like a Brady Bunch situation. There's the girl who's older. That's his daughter from another marriage. Okay, okay. And the I, son is her son from another marriage. So okay. So he's basically like my wife type, but not totally related. So it's cool because the Kate Winslet, her job, I would love. That sounds like so much fun. Oh sure, yeah, she dies. But I mean, sounds, just sounds like a fucking hoot. Just in general, the like forensic epidemiologist, it sounds exciting. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, but there's a part where it's like, I think spoilers it's, for Contagion, by the way. This yeah, this nine year old movie, MEV one. Um, like they refer to the boy as his stepson, and then when Matt Damon finds out he's immune, I was confused because he's just like, so my daughter's immune too. Is that Morgan Saylor from Homeland? I don't believe so. Um, look it up. He's like, my daughter's should be immune too. And then the doctor says she's got half your immune system, but she also got it from her mom. And I thought they were implying Gwyneth. No, they just mean okay, whoever her whoever her mother is. is. Okay, yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, I don't. You'd think that you'd be be able to do some sort of blood test, but maybe not. 
there's figure out if she's there's some great work in that movie that i that i didn't it didn't even fully land with me when i first saw it of just lingering doors that people have touched and oh that movie's designed to scare the fucking shit yeah. out of you yeah yeah like it just hacks your brain and makes you look at things a lot differently mm-hmm. all right well uh no that is anna jacoby heron is the actress who plays matt damon's daughter in that way to go anna jacoby heron she was in stranger things as Dottie. oh is that from season three i have no idea i don't know also that chef at the end like he deserves what he got Oh, man, we just wiping, wiping. On we don't hands. know if he got it because he just wiped his hands. Oh yeah, you know he point. might have went and washed them later. Good point. Oh, he probably did though. Anyways, last of the Mohicans, nineteen ninety two film. Do you want to go first? No, I think you should. Oh okay. This movie slaps. <laughs> last of the Mohicans belongs to a genre that you don't really see as much anymore. It's kind of like the adventure film, but it's also like an earnest romance. I think this might actually be my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis performance Mm. just because it feels like the least affected of anything he's done. Like all that living in the woods. I think it really paid off. He really fully comes off like a dude who eats rabbits for dinner, which he did Uh, on rewatch. It's fun to see how simple the plot is. Like there's really just a few beats in the whole film, uh, which kind of move you from one sequence to the next. But I find the simplicity kind of satisfying. Uh, It's almost two hours long, but it goes down very easy. It's a sort of film where you're just like, marveling at these vistas and location work it's like oh it's just like a long shot of these two characters like running through the woods but the physicality of it with the score like it just makes it seem really compelling it's kind of like the sexy smoldering love story and got some big bold romantic gestures it kind of just feels like all the fat has been bowled away and what's left is this larger than life epic and a killer score in mm. statement mm. if i could just take something you said and Add my own spin This movie fucks. This movie fucks hard. This is a great movie for if you're quarantined and you need a horny period piece action drama. Like, like this is like a great example of a '90s blockbuster. Like old fashioned adventure romance. Um, it's fascinating. Just these. I was thought going back to it, it was going to be problematic in a Last Samurai kind of way. But there's an interesting theme of a lot of characters kind of straddling two worlds and like not really fitting into any of them. Um, but the movie knows three things. Uh, it's got a great riff in its score that's going to use as much as it fucking can. It knows that waterfalls are always epic and sexy and people look good walking over them and around them and under them and especially inside of them as opposed to the lakes and rivers you're used to. Uh, conversely, sexy people look hot as fuck lit by candles and the audience want as much of that as the movie will give them. I see you're shaking your head in, in disgust. I had, it was sitting there. I had to take it. Um, the movie is almost paced. Like a like a sexual act. Like there's some start, there's some stop, and then the last forty five minutes does not stop until you're left catching your breath in each other's arms. Hmm. I mean, I was shocked at how much of the the big moments that I remembered are all in the last forty five minutes, and it just fucking moves. So I, if you haven't seen it, I hope you will go find it somewhere and stay hydrated because this movie will deplete your juices. End statement. All right. Well. 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 I have seven top moments. I do as well. Excellent. Please. Uh, so my fourth honorable mention is just the scene where they're laying down cover fire for the messenger. Mm. It's just fucking cool. Like, and like half the dialogue in this movie you can't even hear. Yeah. But you know, you, you just go with it because it's like it's it's so lived in and yeah. realistic, you know. Yeah. And naturalistic. Um, but he's like, 
He's doing something with silk where it's like he's his wadding. He's using silk for wadding, yeah. which makes his bullets go farther or whatever. Sure, I'm, I'm sure that's the thing. But I believe that he probably did it for like the like four months that he lived in the woods. Yeah, it's, it's. I like how like they're not even part of the army, but it's like Hawkeye and Uncas here are just like fucking baller shots. And so it's like you guys will be the ones to lay down cover fire yeah. for this messenger that we're sending to General Webb. And they just like that you see them like they're like loading up a bunch of different muskets because you know back then it's not like you know reloading took a while so they just like have a bunch of guns they just keep handing off well, the movie's really smart because as you're sitting there thinking because it, it it feels like research but also like it doesn't get too bogged down because like you're thinking okay like it you has said, the veneer of authenticity yeah. without without being the lighthouse let's put it that yeah way. But like you said, it's like you're like, oh, wait, I know that like there's not like a like quick reload in your musket. And so the movie's just like every chance they get, drop that one and grab that dead guy's musket. And it's always loaded and ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just that that scene where they're laying down cover fire. It's just fucking cool. It's a great scene. I uh, I feel like we we're probably gonna have a lot of the same ones except for number seven here. My number seven is when the French and the English meet. So the English can surrender to the fort. I know what you're going to say. The French general takes off his hat and does this super poncy wave and bow thing. It goes on for like 15 <laughs> seconds. And then he's, he's like, he like waves his hat back and forth <laughs> eight times easily. Like, like something you would see more out of like the three musketeers. It felt like, <laughs> um, and then like Colonel Moreau in response, just like takes off the head and does just like the stiffest head. bow. <laughs> Not even like a deep bow or anything. No, it's just like bro nod. Yeah. I want to like all of my top moments things. I really want to dive into as we get to our general discussion. But that part is so good. Uh, what's your number six? Um, So I'm kind of cheating here combining two moments. But it's uh, when Hawkeye is kind of like staring down Korra. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why are you staring at me? And he's just like, I can't rely. And it's like, because I, cause I want to or something like that. Mm. Um, That combined with... Uh, when the uh, the famous the kiss you know soundtrack song starts playing in there, mm. I don't know. Are they boning? Or are they just making out? It's not totally clear. So they do a move. There's there's like a a certain they do hip adjustment. They there, do yeah. the Buffy spike bringing down the house move. Only the what what still gets me about that scene of Buffy and Spike is that they got away with putting the zipper sound on the soundtrack. Filthy. Yeah, but just really even more than that, just the first part where he's just staring at her and some good chemistry acting where she just has to kind of like slowly kind of like, you know, blush and, you know, smile. Like it's it's impressive acting to communicate that sort of, uh, you know, burgeoning emotion there. I don't know if I have that one, but I definitely want to talk about that more. Um, So before that, my number six is at the four. Cora is like kind of like working in the first day of the triage. I think they call it the surgery. It's the British term for mm-hmm. it. And she's like patching up Uncas, who I didn't even realize had been wounded. So Hawkeye kind of comes in, like he teases him in this like childlike way that they have, where she's like, "Are you done holding hands with Miss Monroe? We got work to do." As he's like taking the silk that you mentioned to like put on the bullets. So before they leave, Hawkeye and Cora stop and they start making such intense eyes at each other. And I think it's the uh, it's the moment you're talking about because it's two different scenes. But yeah, the she's just like, "What are you looking at, sir?" And he keeps staring. He's just like, "I'm looking at you, miss." Yeah. yeah. And she it's smiles, sir, yeah. and he smiles, and they know. But the way it's shot is so fascinating because we're almost dead center on her and kind of a Jonathan Demi close up. Like we're seeing her. There's a lot of uh, 
single shots. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing her like it's not necessarily falling in love, but like if she wasn't in lust before the dams of burst, but we keep then we go back to him in profile. It's it's wild. Well, you're, you're, he's got a great profile. You're seeing her kind of go from haughty, you know, the the impertinence of this man to kind of like just like melting away and being like, yeah, I want it. And yet I think they were they were past that already. But she's it's like an act, though, you know, it's, yeah, it's a but dance. It's, yeah, she's not she's not hiding it yeah. whatsoever anymore. And the movie like really adores the body of Daniel Day-Lewis, partially because of his wardrobe. But the dude must fucking run like 50 miles on screen alone when they're like running up the uh, like those like slopes of like granite or uh-huh. whatever. And it's just like, man, that's a fucking workout. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like charging up them. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be like a 15, 20 degree angle yeah. or something yeah yeah all right where are we at here five. my number five mm-hmm. uh when duncan sacrifices himself and gets barbecued that that high up huh that high up like like five like not oh you're not, not okay that that low that low I mean, i'm sorry yeah. yeah wow i guess i don't know um i mean it's it's quite the move you know it you don't see that in a lot of movies these days where someone's just like I'm going full noble sacrifice and I'm going to die for someone else to live type of thing. You know, the arc of Duncan is very interesting. Especially for a 92 Fantastic, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Cover 92 movie. Um, related to that. Cause Duncan is like a complete cunt up until that moment. And then, but he could be, he could have been cuntier. Sure. Like when she finally dumps him or says like, no, I've, I thought I about he, it. No, he's just like, he could have been real shitty about it, but he's just like, okay. Well, yeah, I think he found his, uh, you know, inner stiff upper lip or whatever the Brits have, and was like, "I'm, I'm going to go down a hero here." Yeah, but because prior to that, like Duncan shows up on screen, and his his tightly wound asshole has its own stiff upper lip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number five is um, while Hawkeye has been incarcerated for helping the 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 militia men go back to defend their homes, um, Cora goes to her father, and Duncan's there, and this is the fucking scene where everyone is just yelling. It's just like Malin Stowe is going you to are infatuated yeah. with him. Yeah. He saved us. We're only alive with him. And then Colonel Monroe is just like, the man encouraged the colonial. You know, like, I can't do his his Scottish accent, but it's great. Um, and so at one point, Cora just breaks down after the whole you're infatuated with him. She's just like, Duncan, you are a man of a few admirable qualities, but taken as a whole, I was wrong to have thought so highly of you. <laughs> and for the first time of the movie, Duncan is lit on fire. Um. Yeah, it's just it's a great scene. And I don't know. I've always been a fan of the sort of uh, I don't know the setting or whatever you call it, like the the era that it's in, where like the French Indian saying War. something like that is such a huge diss. Oh, okay. You know, like yeah. like you're not just like slinging like vulgar insults at each other. You're just like called out this person's character. Right. It's like a slap in the face, right. though, you know, in front of his commanding officer. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have thought so highly of you. And it's just like, wow, just kick that guy in the balls while you're at it. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's what I love too, is that it's, we know from the setting that like Cora and her sister, especially are, are women. So their station could, could only be lower if they were like not white though. Cora's. Well, they're aristocrats though, you know, yeah, and they're, they're part of the, the landed gentry. I'm Cora sure. comes from like African descent in the books, but like, I feel like Madeline Stowe never really plays it. Like, I don't know, like, like, oh, I'm just a lowly woman. She's like never, ever going to do that. Alice, unfortunately, has nothing to do. 
Yeah, well. <laughs> Rick, oh, how where is that moment on your list? You're you're smiling like the fucking Joker over there. <laughs> we'll see. Uh it's my honorable mention number four. Just this exchange here. Duncan says, There is a war on. How is it you are headed west? And Hawkeye <laughs> says, Well, we kind of face to the north and real subtle like turn left. To uh Kentucky. <laughs> The fucking big dick energy there, man. <laughs> what I love about their whole dynamic is that Hawkeye Natty Bumpo feels no like need to like really like elucidate things too well, much he, for Duncan. Like he will answer the question asked because he doesn't give a fuck about this red. Well, and he's bitch. like, I'm not, I'm not like you know a subject of the crown yeah. or anything. You know, like I, I'm like I'm doing my own thing here. You know, I don't give a shit. Yeah, even even when Jared Harris earlier is like, you call yourself a loyal subject to the crown. He's like, I don't call myself a loyal subject to much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number four is when they they come across the cabin of the militia family that they're friends with this family's been massacred by the war party allied with the french they stay as they lie yeah so yeah core wants to bury them hawkeye says no she immediately goes into how she's seen how brutal and cruel war can be but nothing has ever like been as cruel as hawkeye's being to these strangers and this gets him he turns around and there's this fucking moment where he's just like like with purpose walking back to her she has to back up yeah Everyone is soaked uh, as he walks back to her and he just in this low tone. He's just like, Miss Monroe, they were not strangers. Let's go. It's like you can feel the shift in her. And then even Alice comes over and is basically just like, I am soaked. Well, this is the kind of movie where like him just calling her miss and her calling him sir or charge charge or sexual energy. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this is like 30 years before. It's like Hawkeye, throw me against the wall and break my neck. You you brooding redwood or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> You fuckable redwood. Uh, where are we at? Number three. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a pretty general scene, but just the uh, when the British regiment is ambushed as they're you know marching back. First to or second? Second. Um, yeah. yeah. Magua cuts yeah. Monroe's heart out. Yeah. That that I remember seeing that as a kid and just being like, "Holy shit!" That was fucking intense. So when did you first see this movie? I mean, probably not long after it came out. Like not in the theater, but like. You know, probably say ninety three, ninety four. Okay. So you know, as a, as a young teenager, this was probably a few years later for me, and I think we were on a vacation or something, and it was on TV. It was like on like the pay per view channel or whatever or something. And I remember my mother being frustrated because I started watching the, like somewhere near the beginning, and I was just like, whatever the thing we were gonna go do, yeah, yeah. you go. I, I I need to be here. I need to be here for this. Well, it's interesting because I feel like when this movie came out, it wasn't totally marketed as like four girls, but it kind of was, you know, mm. kind of like the Legends of the Fall where mm. it's like this. It, theoretically, this should be for anyone. It's just like a, a big sweeping adventure drama, but it's like there's some kissing going on. So, you know, it's not exactly Terminator 2. I responded to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's for girls. I got, I got there, too. Um yeah, so mine is is related to yours. It's I'm gonna cheat and say the entire second ambush, but especially when Mago shoots Colonel Monroe's horse, sending him down, trapped under the horse. He comes in and he's he's said this is his stated yeah. intent. He wastes no time doing this. Like he amends the plan because he was gonna do something else first. And he just squats down and cuts this motherfucker's heart out. Like the last thing Colonel Monroe sees is Magua's taint. Holding his heart, yeah. Yeah, as he pulls it and he just eats that son of a bitch's heart. He doesn't eat it, does he? I think he just holds it. I think he just holds it, but that was the plan. I don't think we've seen it on screen. 
And my memory, I always r- remind that's myself true, that he yeah. ate it. Yeah. They, I wonder if maybe that's in a different cut or something because I, I feel like I have I a memory of him eating it. Like this is the moment that made me wish because I've always said that my state of thing for Attack of the Clones is that after Dooku cuts off Anakin's arm, that he should just bite into it like it's a like a thing of chicken. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of this. Okay. What's your two? So mine number We're two. We're gonna have the same one and two, right? I so no, this is gonna no, be not. your number one. I guarantee it. No. Stay alive. I will find you. Although technically, there's like an extra line in there. It's like stay alive, no matter what, or no matter how hard it is, or so, like there's a <laughs> subtext. You will be sexually assaulted. I'm so sorry, but stay alive. Whatever you have to do. Yeah, I will find you. Yeah, in the waterfall. Good line. Easy number there. two. Yeah. Uh, my number two is the negotiation between the various parties of Sashem of the Huron. Um, everyone's speaking different languages, culminating in Duncan being burned alive. I really love the way Duncan's translating the background of that scene the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Well, it's like it's not totally clear because there's so many like like Robert Altman esque like like vocal tracks like, at once. He, you can hear him doing it. It's not like it's not like he, like they pause for him to do it. He's just like doing it yeah. in the background yeah. while they're talking the entire yeah. time. It's really cool. Yeah. But it's, it's it's fun because you've got like four languages that like nobody speaks all of them. Uh-huh. It's kind of well. But yeah, so then when Hawkeye like runs away and like joins the Mohican crew again of Korra, like like Uncas just hands him the the rifle and he just like takes out Duncan like mercy kill him. Yeah. What's your number one? I wonder if we'll have the same. I mean, it's probably in the, in the region. When I, my number one is when Alice jumps after Uncas is killed. Hmm. It's just, uh, I mean, that's some some fucking true romance there. I want to say you really get, like, there's a pause in Promontory with the bong. <laughs> I mean, uh, just like after Uncas dies, and oh, by the way, spoilers. Um, yeah, and like the way Magua like reaches out to her, like being like, oh, hey, you know, you don't need to do that. And she's just like, fuck it. Jody May is awesome in this. She has nothing to do, but I love her in this. She's adorable. Yeah. So, um, did you see the IMDb trivia about her mom? I did not. We'll she's it. she's, uh, she's 17. Queen Calanth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I saw that thing about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She's Queen Calanth and the Witcher. I didn't think we were going to see her ever again until she showed up as like the queen of Sintra <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, Sintra. Close. Um, some people like the taste of Sintra. Some people don't. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I this is one of those things where when we do this thing and I like lay out the template of my notes, I think my hack my brain to like not include things. Like this is why I always like fuck up on the rankings of like mm. obvious characters. So you were correct. My number one is you be strong, you survive, you stay alive, no matter what occurs, I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far, I will find you. Cause the whole thing is that they have to well, we'll get into it, but yeah. they have to run. Otherwise, it will be a massacre and she will definitely die. And you see the the approaching torches of Magua's people coming through the caverns of the waterfall. There's no powder. Um, and then afterwards, there's a great part that I forgot about where Korra's standing with her back to the water. And Hawkeye's staring at her. And he just starts running at her. <laughs> and you think he's just going to like fucking tackle her. Instead, he just brushes past her and just dives into the water like a superhero. Yeah. I don't know how I don't have the ending at all in my really? list. Wow. I know. I fucked up. I fucked up hard. The last 45 minutes. It's just though. so fucking epic, man. It's it's gorgeous. It's epic that music. Because you got the you got the main theme, then you got like the sex fiddle. I yeah. do really think there's just something to be said for like, yeah, they're actually standing like near the side of a cliff. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just a bunch of CGI. It's yeah. it's not filmed in such a way that they can fake it, you know. 
I mean, if you told me that uh, Eric Schweig actually had to like slide off the side of the thing, I'd believe it. <laughs> well, and it's like we don't we don't need the camera to like follow him down, no. you know, some trick shot or anything like that. The it's almost more unsettling the way they show the falling bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From afar, like that, it's creepy. All right. Well, let's uh, like, like pre nine eleven vibes. Let's hop into our general discussion here. It takes place in nineteen fifty seven. Let me find our uh, title card here. So it's the American colonies. Hold on. Is that a joke? What? Oh, I'm sorry. 1757. <laughs> the American colonies. It is the third year of the war between England and France for possession of the continent. And three men, the last of vanishing people, are on the frontier west of the Hudson River. So I guess they're like Virginia? I don't, I don't know. East Coast. New York. It's all about the Hudson. So okay, yeah. They mentioned... They mentioned uh, Albany, so yeah, yeah. Filmed in Carolinas because I guess the the woods of northern New York don't look like this anymore. So my my two autobiographical notes about this movie that I find fascinating are one, Michael Mann thinks the book is trash. That basically James Fenimore Cooper owned a bunch of real estate at the time, so the book started from this place of like trying to show why Euro Americans should have stewardship of the New World as opposed to Indigenous peoples. And, and there's another movie as well. There's too. been several, yeah. but like he basically wanted to remake one of his favorites, the 1936 yeah. one. So that's basically what they're adapting rather than the book. Um, but also, yeah, Joni May uh, on The Witcher. Also, she was Maggie the Frog on Game of Thrones. I think I knew that when I looked her up for The, yeah. the Witcher, yeah. Um, yeah, so we start off with running, like mirroring the ending, just lots of fucking running. It's epic. It's driving. Um, and then DDL like turns the musket on us. And just blammo. It's just like a lot of like show. running on like ridges and hills and they're just going and going. I mean, I guess this is like a classic example of like why humans are the apex predator here. Mm. They can outrun every other uh, or they can outlast, I think would be the better way to put it. All the other types of, uh, you know, prey that are out yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, just the, the fucking cardio of uh, Danny Day here is like nuts. Um, yeah, Hawkeye is his one of his many, many nicknames. And the book, his name is Natty Bumpo. Uh, they changed it to Nathaniel Poe. Although, I mean, like... <laughs> Better? Not not, not, not the snicker. Maybe ad. they call him Hawkeye like once in this or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, he's just Daniel Day-Lewis, you know? My notes like, like widely gravitate back and forth between Hawkeye and, and some variation of DDL. Because, I mean, uh. I feel like it would lose some of the heat of, like, Cora being like, Natty Bumpo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wise choice to change that. Um, also, Russell Means' character, uh, I don't want to mess up the pronunciation, Chingachukuk. Sure. Um, has a badass forehead snake tattoo that I didn't realize before. Yeah, that dude's awesome. That we'll dude's we'll get to him badass. later. Yeah. Titular character. Yes. <laughs> the last of the Mohicans. So they have their their dinner scene with like one of their frontier family, which is full of significant looks. Like the wife over at the fire. Like every time her like dumb husband's just like we're going to see what the what terms the British offer to join the militia. And she's just like, mm, mm. And RIP to those two. Yeah. Um, and poor Russell means is just like watching his hunky sons, like living life, interacting with people. Um, I feel like we should probably just address now. There's, there's a serious like mighty whitey trope happening here. Yeah. It's not as terrible as it could be. Right, right. Right. It's like he was like, you know, adopted as a as like an infant or whatever and, and raised by uh the last Mohicans. But he never he never pretends to like 
he doesn't like taunt or, or flaunt his like white superiority per se. Um, it's not like he's better than them no. at their culture, but he's he is the star of the movie, right? You know, so there's that aspect to right. it, you know. Yeah. Um, and like Uncas, or uh, I think Chingachukuk's like like his hope is for Uncas. Like mm-hmm. Uncas is supposed to be the last of the Mohicans, but yeah, like uh, and 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 Daniel Day Lewis's character like never ceases to like mention. I was raised by this frontier yeah. family, and like this is my, this is my family though. This they raised me. Um, so then we would get a the next day we get a young Jared Harris playing an asshole British lieutenant just as it should there's, be. There's some uh, there's a Cole Meany in here. There's a Jared I didn't Harris. See Chief O'Brien. He's the uh, guy who he's, we'll we'll get to him. He's like off to the side when they're talking to General Webb. When General Webb's uh, just like so and so, tell you know. Uh, was he a major tell major hayward why blah 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 colonel blah. colonel yeah. oh colonel, yeah major hayward yeah, yeah. Colonel Moreau, major hayward okay yeah you got you got some great like just like british background character actors <laughs> well this like lifestyle of the the camerons here that's just rough going yeah it's not for me you're you're really roughing it out there and then just people show up and murder you yeah yeah Ooh. um so yeah, you got you got this like frontier lifestyle. You got like the um what is the fucking it's not it's not polo. Like what's the variation of the game that they're playing? Oh, they're doing there's some like um like neo lacrosse or something. Okay. Yeah. Neo's probably the wrong word there. Um Ur lacrosse, yeah. Yeah, like proto lacrosse. Proto lacrosse. Yeah, they're in like their uh, loincloths. I don't know about you, but I was like through this whole movie, I was trying to figure out like the breaches situation with uh natty bumpo there like like where does is the loincloth underneath or is it on top like because under it just like appears out of nowhere but it like they, there's a shot later on where you basically see you're looking at DDL's his asshole. Taint. yeah you're looking at his and it's like where's the loincloth i don't know yeah yeah i don't know how people functioned before jeans were invented <laughs> talk about like great inventions like how do they do it <laughs> I, I just want to picture this this period action drama, which has like a similar shot to like Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. <laughs> but yeah, like they're like I could not function in that clothing at all. You've got some uh, 1700s like Lax Bros shit, which is it's it's fascinating to see because I think this is the Mohawks are friends with these guys and allied with the British, and it's like that they're just playing together, like it's. It's it's this cohesion of these like different peoples, which is awesome. Even though he's a fucking giant, I mean, what is he like six four or something like oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, he's a fucking mountain. Um, he's the mountain that they all fall off at the end of the movie. I mean, you can see why they wanted him to play uh, Strider in Lord of the Rings movies, and I can also see why he took one look at Peter Jackson as like, nah, yeah. Danny Day is an interesting guy. Like he, he would have been such a good Strider, but like that he would have been wasted in the the writing they gave him in that movie. His career is fucking fascinating he wouldn't he wouldn't have stood i feel like for some of the changes they made oh, in those no. Lord of the Rings well stories. the betrayal of uh ian mckellen mr like i'm i'm the uh i've got the book on the set yeah, yeah i've got the book on the set you shall not cross it's like oh, you con- should not pass congratulations yeah. you got him to like work in like a chapter name as a reference somewhere yeah, yeah i'm not gonna get into that anyway i feel like someday we will it's gonna be dreadful <laughs> I'm, no, we did it well, a long time ago on our old podcast. I feel we had like, like a four-hour Return of the King podcast. Worry that well, what we talk about? We talk about doing the Hobbits at some point. Oh, oh man, those are bad. They're terrible. Um, so you got this like frontier life, and then you got like 
we take we pull back about this like utterly gorgeous shot of like Duncan's like caravan or whatever, like going over the bridge. There's some beautiful visuals in this movie. Yeah, it's Biltmore. I've actually been there. It's oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, is this near the uh the three billboards? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> General Webb, still no <laughs> arrests. Yeah. Um we talk about these just fucking gigantic muskets they have. Yes, we like can. there's a shot where DDL is holding one. It comes up to like his mouth, so that's got to be almost six feet. Yeah. Well, the the part later where he's holding two uh-huh. and fires them simultaneously, the fucking forearm strength, seriously, this man. Um, just to balance that shit alone. Yeah. So Duncan shows up to hear General Webb like telling the Colonel Militia members that they'll be allowed to leave military service to defend their homes if they're attacked. Duncan is fucking appalled. But the British would like kowtow to these like local uh, uh, Okies, for lack of a better term. What a fucking bitch, man. Yeah. And, but the general weapon was like, nothing to hear, like, fear here, Donnie. These men are French. They're cowards. <laughs> well, and, like, the general's trying to be like, look, dude, you're like, you're in the colonies. This is not England. You yeah. know, like, you got to be a little more lax and chill. Well, but also, you know, we're, we're trying to get these colonists to like help us out. Also, General Webb has no fucking clue because he claims the French have a Latinate voluptuousness. I think he's just joking, but... Okay, and a Gaelic laziness. Yeah. <laughs> I, rather... I feel like that was a performance he put on for Hayward because he's being such a douche. Well, the next line's even better. They rather eat and make love with their faces than fight. <laughs> well, General Webb is like, he's clearly, he's been here for a while. So yeah. he knows that like, like, you just start ordering these colonists around and like being a complete dick to them. Yeah. It's not going to go well. Yeah, see 20 years in the future. Yeah. Yeah, this movie uh, definitely has some stuff about colonialism in there. For realsies. Um, then Wes Studi shows up, and he immediately has instant Darth Maul energy. And just like instant villain energy. It's like, yeah. did, did no one be pick up on this? Yeah. This dude's glaring hate at so, everyone. I know it's crazy. I've never seen Heat. But he's like one of the cops in that? I've seen it. I know he's in it. I don't really recall okay. in what role at all. I, I, don't th- I don't believe he's one of the, the bank robbers. Okay. I would love to see a role where West Studio walks in. He's just like, sup, I'm your kid's pediatrician. Because yeah. <laughs> he's he's fucking menacing and yet captivating as fuck in this movie. Like, you can't look away. All right, so these British uniforms, they do not look comfy. They look heavy. They look scratchy. They look sweaty. In addition to the fucking tri-corner hat, you had to wear the goddamn powdered wig. Well, oh. some people pull off the powdered wig, I feel like. Uh, Duncan here does not. What's funny about Duncan is he takes off the powdered wig and he's his got, actual he's hair. Yeah. Well, his hair is stylized in the exact same way as his <laughs> fucking wig. Well, I feel like uh, Monroe pulls off the wig. Mm-hmm. He like makes it work for him. But yeah, Duncan just looks like a fucking tool. I will never forget. I watched three episodes way back when when you, I would watch TV all the time of some fucking sitcom in which uh, Corey Feldman had a bit part as like the the wacky guy. This was a show that got ki- that canceled for like six episodes. And his whole thing was that he would just fire off lines occasionally, but he wore sunglasses the whole time. And so, like, episode four, the female lead is like, I'm tired of you in those sunglasses. She takes them off, and there's another pair underneath. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've been waiting forever for someone to do that. And I just think about Duncan's hair with that. So Duncan runs into Cora. What I love about this movie is we don't see him ask her to marry him. We pick up right after he's well, popped the question. You can infer that... Uh... He's known her from England or something. Yeah. You know, this is a, a long-term acquaintance. He's clearly just like laid out his marriage proposal mm-hmm. and, and why it would be like a good union or whatever. And she's just like, nah, sorry, dude. Well, it's like, it's played so interesting because it's not even really that awkward for her. It's definitely awkward for him 
Well, she's got some like big Elizabeth Bennett energy here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of amazed that she never was in like a Jane Austen movie, Madeline Stowe, because she's got like the perfect voice for it. Madeline Stowe's career is bizarre because it's like it's it's fucking uh Twelve Monkeys, and then somehow fast forward to Revenge. <laughs> yeah, with like a super weird low voice the whole time. Yeah, where she's basically playing like Uber Susan Lucci. Yeah. Um but yeah, like so he's in the friend zone. He always will be. I love that. Like, yeah, it's not awkward for her. I don't even know if it's a friend zone. <laughs> no, well. <laughs> I think it's like, look, we might have grown up together. It's but, in a yeah. you work for my dad zone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he's like trying to say, like, you know, like he she should just stop thinking for herself. Everyone else thinks this is a great match. And then he actually says, Look, Cora. I know in my heart that once we're married, we'll be the most marvelous couple of London. In case you didn't think he was a ponce too. <laughs> oh, and it's just the perfect picture of this like spoiled aristocratic officer who's clearly never been in the shit, you know? Right. Like what? What is what is he even really wanting to be? I guess is this just to be of Cora? Like why is he here in the colonies? Is it for? I, mean, I guess that's just what you did when you're like a an officer you know he had to go put your time in somewhere i wonder because he clearly like he's so excited about the their future back i mean there's a war on so you know but i I feel like the officers just all i mean he's a major so it's like he's just assuming he's gonna go put an appearance and like Mm. do his tour or whatever and then fuck back off to england pip 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 and fuck off yeah uh so we get the he's escorting the the monroe girls because gore's got her sister alice played by jody may yeah, um, General Webb's people are going to Fort Henry. No, a, a different fort. They're going to a fort. Yeah. I couldn't remember all the names. These guys are going somewhere else to Albany or something like that. Um, this first ambush is pretty brutal. You got a lot of musket rifle shots. There's a lot of like stabbing, slashing, bludgeoning. There's some scalping. This is like your real classic, uh, like why the uh, British wa- lost the war type, you know, like because they just like fucking stand there in their bright red coats trying to like form a musket line. Well, at one point, Duncan is just like standing like perpendicular, just like like ready. Aim. It's just like, well, they, they just shoot you first. fire into the, the into trees. the woods. Yeah. And it's like you just see all the uh, the Native Americans here. They're just like ducking for cover. And yeah. it's like, OK, they just fired. Now let's go. Right. Well, it's, this is why a colonizing force the, who the doesn't. The Huron, right? That's what yeah. this tribe is. Yeah. yeah. That's why a colonizing force who doesn't know the lay of the land is not necessarily going to fare well against indigenous people. So the the Mohicans are nearby. Uh Chingachuk comes in with he's got that fucking gunstock war club, yo. That thing is brutal, man. Yeah. It's got that weird spike. Yeah. It looks like it would be painful to hold anywhere, but he, he holds. I mean, like, that thing is always fascinating because I'm always just like, what is that? Because it, it, it looks, looks like as though you've taken the, the stock of a rifle. Yeah. But then there's like this big spike yeah. coming out, like about where you like the flintlock would be, I guess, you know. And so it's like it's kind of a club, but you also can spear somebody with it. Yeah, it's got kind of axe-like tendencies. It's uh, blue. Yeah, what is that thing? It's fascinating. Um, There's a lot of just like just dudes like taking shots to the dome with like like uh, tomahawks and like little hatchets mallets? and shit. Yeah, mallets. Yeah, yeah, just like ouch. You, well, you see a, an actual scalping at one point here. Well, and it's interesting because like I. Hurts. Prior to this, I really, I, I intellectually knew what a scalping was, but you know, in like school, when we talk about like fucking Custer or, or whatever, we don't really go into it. It's like it's not like a a big thing. It's like you just grab some hair and what you can cut, and whatever you got is what you. I, I don't know. It's trophies, man. Trophies. Um, yeah. So they, the Mohican crew rolls up. They save the the Monroe girls and Duncan. Um, 
Duncan's the only one with a sword, I guess. Yeah, because I guess these guys do not put up a great fight. I guess it's how you lead your your men to fire as you wave a sword. But I feel like once it goes melee, like that's a real advantage. Start slashing people with the motherfucking sword. Yeah. Um, at one point, like Duncan takes aim at uh, Russell Means and almost shoots him, and Hawkeye stops, and he's like, "In case your aim is any better than your judgment." His voice is so interesting. It's not full Lincoln yet. No, he's got like the tiniest amount of like a New York. Yeah. Accent, you know? Yeah. Like just that that little bit of uh like Brooklyn in there. It's not quite what I think you'd expect from from a leading man in any other variation of this type of movie. Um so you immediately have this like great dynamic setup where like Duncan's the uptight uh uh you know British Imperial who knows what he thinks it should be, and Hawkeye's the rogue who knows what it's what it is like on the land. Um this dynamic will work great because for a large chunk of it, like no matter what Duncan says, he will look like a fucking tool compared to Hawkeye. Well, they they send the horses away. It's like, what are you doing? And he's just like, the horses are too loud. They'll track us. You They're here from miles away. Yeah. Um, Cora is like bound by like the ideas of what a woman should be. Like you said, she's also a, an aristocrat. But the movie really tries to give her some agency. Like at one point, she picks up her gun and like puts it in her 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 skirt yeah. pocket. Her skirt back then it's even got had a pocket. pockets. Good way to go. Yeah. I feel like Madeline says just like, I will not set foot on this set once I got pockets. Um, my God, this movie has sex appeal to spare. I mean, 23 minutes in, we're already setting up like a quick like bit of like smoldering vibes between Uncas and Alice, which oh, will yeah. pay off for a while. Yeah, still. there's there's vibes between both these couples like immediately. And it's like, let me just count on my fingers here. There's five people here. Six. And, uh, is there six? Yeah. He's a sixth. Oh, right, right. Yeah. 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 I, I guess I'm just. Yeah, that's right. Mm hmm. Well, it's like, like you got like Duncan like watching the batting back and forth between the two couples, like bang, like his head's yeah. moving like it's a tennis match. Like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then like across the way, there's got to be like Russell Means is just like, <laughs> my sons are getting laid. <laughs> Not you, white man. Yeah, there's a really cool shot here where um, Magua is like taking aim at Cora, and then it, like cuts to uh, Hawkeye who sees this, and like. Then like they Magua like kind of turns to aim at uh, Hawkeye, mm. and Hawkeye just like he just kind of like drops down on one knee, and like the camera moves with him. It's just like a really neat shot. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Duncan is your example of the ignorance of the white man. Um, Magua has basically said he's a Mohawk. They all believe it. He's actually a Huron looking for blood vengeance. The part where like, uh, well, it's like you really get the feeling that this dude just like showed up and is like, yeah, I'm the messenger from General Webb, and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, or not General Webb, uh, uh, the Scots Monroe, uh, Monroe yeah. yeah, the gray hair, yeah, because they have no fucking idea, um, and they don't care to like differentiate these people at all as they take over their land. <laughs> but yeah, like at one point, like he's just hitting him up with like, uh, you know, we need we need to stop soon because for the women, and he's just like, no, we're gonna go a little bit farther. He's like, no, the women need to stop now. And he's like says in his language, just like like you're the white men are so kowtowed by the women or whatever. It's it's funny. It's like he's just like dunking on him in his own but language. I think even then you see the seeds of his arrogance and his his corruption by Western ideals. You know, oh, Monk or uh, Magua, yeah, Magua, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the scene we're talking about where they get to the the cabin, the 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 Mohican crew of their friends. Yeah, they're all just fucking dead. <sighs> war party got him uh and the whole thing was basically like you know rather than give them a christian burial you know if anyone comes back and is like like checking this area they'll know that people had been here if they're like laid to rest real quick just before that like in the the conversation they're having where duncan's just getting dunked on the whole time Mm -hmm. and and like having to 
learn like how shit you know is mm-hmm. in the real world from Hawkeye. They're having this whole conversation where they're like crossing a river and it's like these amazing vistas yeah. of like these like granite like rapids and waterfalls that they're just all walking through like it's just like casually happening in the background it reminded me of how much the fucking nature documentary footage stood out in twilight yeah as this it's like it's it's definitely like oh wow we're really uh we're really feeding on these vistas but it's like it, it fits we're surrounded I mean, I, by I this the, lush greenery the, the difference time. with twilight is that i feel like it wasn't enough of getting your actors in those shots. Right. You know, it was just, this is helicopter shots of trees. Yeah. And like Dutch angles. Yeah. It wasn't like uh Dan day Lewis, like threw her over his back and was just like, hold on spider monkey. Well, I mean, you can, I don't know, imagine a theoretical scene from twilight where they go into the woods and it's like them hiking in like a two minute long right. shot as they have a conversation. That's hard to do, you know, just like getting your setups and, yeah. and all that. And just so, go wide and yeah. just like get this. Fist, yeah. So it's night. Um, she comes up to get like some clarification for about like why they weren't burying the people. And he tells her, you know, th- th- why uh, I just mentioned. Um, and she apologizes because she was like, try- he, she gets now that he was trying to protect them. Also, this dude has levels upon levels. Um, Is this where he like starts dropping a line about like what the stars mean? The erotic creation myth. Yeah. That comes from like the dead mother. And then they, they, they took the stars from her breasts and like threw them into the night sky. Um, and she is the earth. And yeah. Yeah. So she's just like, she actually acknowledges as this white or Christocratic woman, um, that she had truly had no idea the plight of people out here. She finds it stirring. <laughs> Something is stirring. All right. She, yeah, she, which, what is the line there? Cause it's like, it's a, that's a line. That's a smoldering line yeah. there. And then she does that thing that you, it becomes a trope. I think in fan fiction where she like, says something and then she just immediately like lays down and like faces away. Cause it's like, it's too hot. Yeah. Like she just sent like sent on like too spicy of a text and she can't bear to look at his face. Yeah. Um, so we get to the, I, I love this, this visual where we get to the, our heroes get to the fort where Colonel Moreau is. It's just behind this like giant thing of trees and like an Island and like a little mini lake. And you just see like it lit up like from can of fire behind cannons and yeah, flares. Like yeah. silhouette. Um, and then we go inside. Well, uh, we get a just a pretty extended sequence just of like the lay of the battle and you see the trenches that are being dug right. and the French are, you know, firing cannons and creeping closer. Everything involved with like loading the cannons and firing them. At one point, some cows are left in front of the camera. Those cows are almost bigger than the guy leading them. At one point, the dude has like his protractor out to like get the angle oh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. to fire the cannon. Yeah. So to sneak into the fort under the cover of battle, like the women are like crouched down in a canoe and the men, like the water is like, it's only so deep. Like it goes up like their shoulders or whatever. And so they're just like walking and guiding this thing slowly to like, hopefully not be caught by the French. Um, so the, the girls reunite with their dad. They're, they find out that the messengers never got through. There's this great moment where Colonel Monroe realizes the French and their allies have completely cut them off and dominated them. And he's like also got his, impressionable daughters like staring at him so he's just like oh it's fine <laughs> yeah it's like the look of realization on his face like i'm fucked yeah they've got bigger guns and more of them and they're yeah it's like they're digging 30 feet of trench every day when they get to 200 they're gonna bring even bigger guns and like just bombard the fucking walls and duncan's like well it looks like they're already 300 yards away so you got three days it's like they really don't they have like a day duncan had to look at their engineering yeah yeah <laughs> Well, the warfare back then is fucking wild, you know, just these, yeah. it's like it just like how big your guns are is like what's going to win the war. Yeah. Like how big your cannons are. 
Well, I mean, there's like this kind of idea, like it, it's interesting where they use Duncan there because presumably he's like, like, uh, been educated in the art of war. Like he should know the the textbook versions of what they should be doing. Well, he's your classic uh, officer who's like never been in the field type situation. Right, right. Yeah. But it's like this is an opportunity where he can actually apply that mm-hmm. with no prior experience. Um. So then, meanwhile, in case you needed a reminder that the French are fucking evil in this movie. During the siege, the French general just has a children's choir singing to him. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so goddamn weird. And then Mago shows up and like he talks about himself in third person. He gives himself some status. He gives everyone some status updates. First, the Monroe's the gray hair. It actually says, when the gray hair is dead, Mago will eat his heart, which as a kid was the most metal fucking thing I'd ever heard in my life. Um, and then he also adds addendum. Before he dies, Mago put the children, his children under the knife so that the gray hair will know that his seed is wiped out forever. And then the French general is just like, hey, Magua, the audience and I would like to know, what's your motivation? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got a whole thing happening here. Yeah, and then back in, uh, in the fort there, kind of get some developments where Hawkeye has told the other colonial like militia, like, hey, mm. Like a war party totally went and fucked up your shit. Like you need to get back and defend your land. And so they want to get out of there. And Colonel Monroe is just like, nope, sorry. Duncan lies. Duncan, Duncan, they're they're just like, Duncan, you saw it. And he's like, well, I couldn't say exactly who did it. Or, you know, like he just kind of bullshits it. Cora's outside. She sees this. Clearly being a coward about it. Yeah. Or just like. And so it's like, you need to shut up. If you start telling people dessert, that sedition will hang you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you help people escape, we'll shoot you. If you actually escape, we'll hang you. Um, so like afterwards, because he saw that Cora saw him lying, he goes to her. He's straight up like, look, baby, when we're back in England and married, nothing I said here is going to matter. <laughs> and she's just she's like, in a way, yes. <laughs> she's like, well, I promised you an answer. So she says, you've complimented me with your persistence and patience. But the decision I've come to is that I would rather make the gravest mistake than surrender my own judgment. Her own judgment being like, I ain't having it. I ain't into it. Um, and then DDL, this, of course, is pissed. Well, this this I believe is where we get the uh, the exchange between him and Cora, where they just stare at each other. Yeah. Oh, so there's also the part too where DDL's furious at Duncan lie, and he's just like, yeah. "Someday, I think you and I are going to have a serious disagreement." And they will. Yeah, like it's the like, next oh, day. <laughs> Um, so Hawkeye, of course, is going to help the colonists like leave to get home, protect their families. He gives like some crazy directions about like you got to get up over this ridge, and then you got to like I couldn't follow any of that. No, yeah. So they tease him. They're just like, "You should come with us." And he's like, "I got a reason to stay." And they're like, "Oh, does that reason wear a striped skirt?" And he's like, yeah. "Fuck yes, <laughs> yeah." Because he's like, like, "Look like, around, who's getting all laid right. here?" <laughs> yeah. So the theme kind of steps aside, and we get some sex fiddle. And this is the sex scene between Hawkeye and Cora that you were mentioning. So this is like technically from some like Gaelic album. Yeah, they, they art, kind some of singer songwriter plagiarized. Yeah, whatever. It works. I don't know if he gets credit or not, but yeah, it works. Um, this thing is all close ups and hands and breathing and candlelight. Um, as a young man, I obviously didn't fully get what was going on here, but just the I mean, sound is this uh, is this rated R? Yes, it is. Okay, just the sound of Madeline Stowe's breathing like uh and her she does have a uh he is inside of me facial expression at one point like that all worked on me as a kid oh yeah that worked okay 
It's still working. Um, so I love that like they fuck, they smash like in the closet or on top. They're like on a roof or something, right? They're just like behind like a barricade. I don't know where they are. I thought yeah. they were like up higher. Which smashing on a on a on a the roof of a fort during a battle. That's some good smashing. They're like behind a wall or something. It's hard to tell. Whatever. Wall yeah. smashing in a fort. Um, afterwards, I like that he just goes and like bunks up of his bros. So this is after they did the uh, um, the laying down cover fire. They thing, did the I messenger, think, right? and I and I think because he, he goes to, when she's in the surgery, Uncas is getting stitched up. And that's when he goes to get by the, uh, by the Alice, and yeah. she's taking her time. Yeah, feeling those abs, and that, that's when he gets all the silk. He's like, can I no, borrow I these? I think it's Cora who's stitching him up. I thought it was Alice. I don't think Alice actually really does anything. Cora, I, th- I think it's Alice. Let me go back and look because I, I know apparently they filmed a lot with uh, Jody May. Well, apparently but, like, a lot a, of it got cut. This is like a three hour cut. Yeah, the, the trivia from IMDb is that Jody May's mother was on set the entire time to make sure there were no real life love scenes between her and Eric Schweig. Oh, because I mean, what was that dude like mid thirties at least? Probably, probably? and yeah. she's seventeen. <laughs> seventeen. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Let me find this here. So they're flirting. That. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, no, that is yeah, it's Cora. Okay, that is because it, it immediately goes into like her staring at at him and being like, "What are you staring at, sir?" Um, and then that's the one guy's line is like, "Does your reason to stay have a like stri- striped skirt yeah. and work in the surgery?" So um, he's mugging up his bros. The British come and get him for helping the colonists. Uh, this is when Pete Postlewaite shows up. And I love that Chingakook is just like he immediately jumps up, like he's like ready to go at these fuckers for like coming at his son. But he stops for one moment and he gives Dan Day Lewis this look like you slut. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're gonna fucking do it, do it, and you fucking did it. I fucking love Pete Pulse the way. Like he's the hunter from the lost world. More importantly, he's Kobayashi from the usual suspects. Yes. Yeah. The fact that you did not know that you were stealing from my employers while you were alive today, my friend. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a big scene where they're like, yeah, this dude like helped a bunch of militiamen like dessert. So we, that's addition. We got to hang you. And, uh, is the adoptive father is just like, that's fucking bullshit. You know, like, what are you doing to my white son? Yeah, what are you doing to my white son? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Cora is just like, this man saved my life. Like you can't do that. And that's the yelling. Yeah. Lots of yelling. Lots of, uh, you are infatuated with him. Yeah, so she's just like, justice. If that's justice, and the sooner the French guns blow the English out of America, the better it'll be for the people here. And he's like, you did not know what you're saying, girl. And she's like, yes, I do. I know exactly what I'm saying. If it's sedition, then I am guilty of sedition, too. And the dad's just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't totally matter because the uh, British get their big guns in range and just fucking bombard them with explosive rounds. So she visits Hawkeye in his cell. He gives her, of course, he's got lots of advice. He gives her advice on what to do if the French overtake the fort, which is basically stay near your father. And then she's first says, I will find you. She says it first. Um, and then she has this great line of the whole world's on fire, world's isn't on fire, it? Yeah. And he says, how about yours? He says, no one can save me but you. Yeah. No one loves no one. Yeah. What are you singing? I was doing all star. Oh, really? Yeah. I was doing Chris Isaac, baby. The whole world's on fire. No one can save me but you. Okay. Strange world desire. A wicked game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're just we're just doing different songs here. Can you believe that Chris Isaac had his own show for a while? It was kind of good. I watched. I watched. I'm shocked at how much I watched of it. It was basically one of those HBO shows where it's like just like a 
a white guy who like fucks a lot. Just like an excuse to have a naked lady every yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah. But it was like kind of good. I kind of miss shows like that where it's like. What was the one of Brian? I don't ben know. Ben? Built around a, uh, a ple- dream on. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, but just like a show built around the kind of like a an, an enjoyable lead. Well, he, and just, I think, you know, the, I think it was a Showtime show, but the shocker of the Chris Isaac show was like the outlier that we never really paid attention to. Cause I watched like a little bit of dream on and I was like, this is trash. It's complete trash. And yeah. I'm like, well then I'm never going to go near fucking Arliss. Oh, it's also complete trash. Yeah. Um, and I watched the first episode of it, but California fornication is meant to give you an icky vibe. There's like right? seven seasons of that or something. But like, isn't you're there? supposed to be uncomfortable about all of that. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't want to watch that because it's like, what is, is this he, a show or is this just David Duchovny? Like it's creepy. Well, and then like, yeah, it was like, was the whole sex addict thing? Was that like a viral thing? Or like you literally just got caught cheating on Tony? Yeah. But like, I think in the first episode, he like fucks his, his girlfriend's daughter yeah. by accident. Or like he fucks some girl. And then later on, he finds out that she was like his girlfriend's daughter. But just like the whole show is just like, he fucks a lot. I don't yeah. know. That, that doesn't totally interest me. Like the Chris Isaac show, it was like, about Chris Isaac just like right. being like a musician he in was San probably Francisco. Like a little less like popular than he was in real life. Yeah. But as I, you know, as a musician, I believe it more than like this Hollywood writers fucking a lot. I don't think the Hollywood writers. Well, it was like almost like a situation comedy. Yeah. 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 I think that's the, I think maybe that's why we all moved to Hollywood. Is I think we're just going to be dipping it in there all the time. Um. Yeah. So the French and English meet, like I said, there's the fucking theatrics of the uh the french general well, you see the uh the i don't know theoretical uh i don't know civilized way they're going to end their conflict here they bomb the shit out of the fort mm-hmm. so they're like basically done for and then it's like oh now we'll have this nice little meet and we'll sort of do a proper surrender and you can even keep your guns you just have to go back to england and not fight us again well yeah he compliments the fuck out of monroe it calls him a gallant antagonist i mean he's about to like put down a pillow get down on his knees Unzip Monroe's pants. I mean, I guess this was from an era where you, if you were a high up officer, you wouldn't expect to die. Right. You know, like, unless like just something random happened, it's like a bunch of uh, grunts are going to go like kill each other. Mm. And then when it's one side appears to be losing, well, then we must run up the white flag and, you know, right. jolly good sport, all yeah, that. Yeah. Sweetheart deal, though. Like you said, they have to go back to England. These particular men. So I took the beat. Their, their weapons. That these particular men. Because yeah. obviously they're not going to get the whole English surrendering in the colonies or proto colonies. But like rather than see the French jail, take their weapons, fly their standards. They're just retired from war. And they have a full day to go like bury their dead and pack up their shit. And hey, send your wounded over to us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take yeah. care of your wounded for you. What the fuck? So like then later that night, the French general finally gets Magua's story because he goes to see him. And we find out Mago's village is attacked by the Mohawks who are aligned with the, um, the English. They killed Mago's children, captured him. When he was gone, his wife thought he was dead, married somebody else. So Magua made allegiances with the Mohawks to gain his freedom, but in his heart, he was always Huron. So that might be, if I wanted to give the British credit because they maybe, thought he was Mohawk, sure. maybe. Um, but now he wants that sweet blood vengeance. In the novel, the added detail that Colonel Monroe once had Magua whipped for drinking whiskey or firewater, as he mm-hmm. called it. But the French general is like, look, I need to honor this treaty because it means it, it would be, you know, a, a disgrace if I were to a, break my word. You'd be getting me out of jam because I feel like these guys are just going to like go back to all yeah. and turn right around and fight me again. So in case you're wondering, the French general is the Phantom Menace here. Um, well, he's like, I can't attack them again. But, yeah. you know, if you and your war party were going to, I, 
I mean, I'm not telling you to, but, but it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next day, the English are marching away in formation. Their flags waving, surrounding. Uh, they even have the drummers drumming. Like, how long do those fucking drummers have to play? Like, I, I, this is shitty, but like, let's say you survive this. You go back to England. You were the drummer. Are you like, yeah, I'm a veteran. I mean, I guess. I, I, I did the percussion during the war. Does that guy get to carry a gun? I would hope so. I would want at least like a pistol. If you're watching a dude get scalped in front of you, this, I'd be like, I hope I have a gun till I can pull. Speaking of pistols, I always wondered this when you see these uh, older style warfare. Like, why did like the commanding officer always has like the cool gear? Like everybody else has got these giant fucking muskets and the commanding officer always has like a pistol and a sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like Cor- or like um in, in uh in like glory, like the uh like Matthew Broderick, like he's got like a revolver. You know, it's like, well, that seems fucking way more useful than this rifle that yeah. they can fire like once every thirty seconds. Another movie, another period action drama where it's like, you know what we need is a big ass score. Yeah. I mean, how many times did you watch that in school? A lot. It was just like like the day where the teacher's <laughs> like, I ain't got shit and I might be hungover. We're watching Glory for the next three days, kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Cora's on her cart, like keeps looking back, trying to get a glimpse of Hawkeye. He's like being marched in handcuffs or whatever towards the back as a prison. I mean, are they still going to hang him? At a certain point, you can be like, hey, man, you guys lost anyway. Let's just call it even. I kind of wonder. Well, we'll get to it in a second. So the second ambush, the British are on the road in a line, like in between, like a like a thing of trees on either side. Perfect ambush territory. Yeah. This scene is so fucking good. The war party is coming at them one at a time. Just like there's like little sorties, um, just like clubbing one person and like disappearing. Well, they, they send a couple out just to like, like tension, like run out, kill a dude, run away, yeah. and so I am assuming that they're trying to goad them into like firing some shots off. Okay. I, or in a like stretching them out further because like it's a long column so like the you know monroe's up the at the front of it he doesn't know what's going on yeah so then they all come out once it's like pandemonium cora shoots a guy he's finally using like check off skirt gun and it's like this crazy long wide shot where you're just like seeing all these like muskets fire on both sides yeah. as they swarm the, well, the it's, call like, there. It's, it's a beautiful sunny day and then it's like smoky and there's like just like fucking gloaming around alice sees brutality for the first time I kind of wonder what the second time. True. But this time we really like linger on how it affects her. I kind of wonder what they've got for Alice in the three hour cut. Like, does she like dip her finger like in a wound and like lick it or something? Sure. Like she looks fucked up after this, but hot. Um, So Hawkeye's like letting himself out of chains. We like cut down to the unconscious English guy guard at his feet. And I kind of wonder if that guy's unconscious. Well, I can't did. I kept wondering, did the guy get shot or that that was what I assumed. Like I, assume, pop him in the head. I assume that dude got shot. Okay. I mean, you got the figure if you're uh, one of the, uh, the Huron here, you're aiming for the Redcoats, right? Right, yeah. Do they aim when they, I don't know, mask? The muskets? I or? always wonder when they have like the musket line. Are they each picking somebody to aim at? I guess they, they should be. We see that with other things. Like they're picking off people who are like like individuals but yeah when they're in the line i don't know what the fuck you're doing or is it just like just just fire straight ahead you'll hit well, like, something if you there's know? like five guys coming at you do you all like aim at like the one guy yeah yeah <laughs> like in, are you uh, supposed to know to like call it you know like at the end of good bad and the ugly when they both turn their guns <laughs> um so the mohicans make their way through the massacre to get to the i gotta girls. say the the battle scenes are pretty fucking impressive they are they this really is are. this is like we have like you know 500 stuntmen out there hmm. um 
it's not like a bunch of CG or anything. And it's like, it's these big wide shots where, I mean, I don't know, maybe if you go frame by frame, you'll see like a bad, you know, choreography somewhere in there, but it's pretty fucking impressive. Like you're seeing a big wide shot of these people running into each other, like hacking at each other. And it all looks like it's happening pretty much. Right. Right. The daytime stuff had to be easier too. Did you read the thing about, uh, the the one nighttime shoot where man lost it. Oh, and it's like the sun was coming out. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "What's that giant orange light? Turn that they're off." Like, and they're That's like, "Because <laughs> you figured these nighttime shots had to be a nightmare to set up." Mm. Cora finally gets to use her pistol here. Duncan blows, survives. Just blows some dude away. Duncan survives by falling down a hill. And so it it's a crazy massacre. I mean, maybe some of these other guys get away. We don't know. You well, know, there's but, a couple like red red coats, red shirts. There's like the there's a dude who's with them. Up until the waterfall, yeah. and then it just like I guess they just killed him. Well, it's like they knock out Duncan when, we, when they get to that guy. Yeah, they beat the fuck out of this other guy, like you, <laughs> like guy who doesn't have they, a sack. Can card. they tell that he's not an officer or something? I don't know. Get your ass over your background artist. <laughs> um, yeah. So Magua eats Monroe's heart. Um, well, Hawkeye, there's like there's like women and children in here. Like everyone's just getting fucked. There up. is one African American gentleman who has to like carry like pails of water. I saw in the line. Um, Hawkeye beats the shit out of the dude who's about to slit Cora's throat. Um, and then gets the the Mohicans get the ladies and they make their way off the battlefield. And again, you're just like moving through like smoke of gunfire. It's wild, especially for like muskets. It's not like this is like modern warfare where you have you know multi fast repeating rounds. So well, then we get something about the way he films the action where it's like it's this panning quick shot of somebody running across the frame and then it like cut to like Hawkeye just like uh, aiming you know his musket yeah. as it like points towards the center like it just it feels really kinetic yeah. the way they match up the the editing like that it's like, the, like you're feeling him aim and well it's like the third time that they've done some variation of that in the movie and it makes sense though because it, first of all it's sexy but also like you have one shot yeah fucking make it count uh, so this is like we're after the forty five or the last forty five minute mark. This movie fucking moves. We go from this, we transition to a full on fucking canoe chase. Duncan's in like in one of the other canoes, like some surviving British officers, and he sees Hawkeye with the girls, and he's just like, "When this settles down, I'll have your head." It's like, okay, bro, yeah, whatever, chillax. man. Did you? I don't know if you caught this. I I like had to like rewind it because I wasn't sure exactly what happened there. So they're like they're getting away in their canoes, but it's just like. It's like Duncan and I think Cora are in one canoe. No, no. Uh, Duncan's in a canoe with the two British guards, or two British officers. And it's like the rest of the cast no, is I in think, the other canoe. I think Duncan just has one other person in there because Uncas just dies out of the canoe he's in and swims over and gets in the other canoe to help paddle. Interesting. Because like they weren't going fast enough. He's like, oh, you need like some, you know, you need another arm over there. You Interesting. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, because uh, I was like, did that dude just like, dive out of the boat what's happening like rewound it and it's like oh he just like went over to the other boat and got in there and started paddling well just like look at love a canoe chase by the way yeah oh, absolutely i mean even in lost it was great and it's same thing for lost it's like whose canoes are these who gives a shit <laughs> they're ours now but uh they walked like 12 miles yesterday they were up all night they were some fucking he slept if he slept at all like in a bunk with his like his bros then he was in a jail cell then they're marching then they're in a fucking massacre. They, they they walked more miles, massacre, running, paddling like fucking insanity here in a canoe chase. 
where's the scene where this dude is just like carboloading? Yeah, on like steak. I need a fucking power, fucking Powerade now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they ditch the canoes when they get to the big waterfall to like hide behind it. And I love it's like maybe their pursuers will see the canoes and think that was us. I don't know. So they uh, they get. Well, they, the- I like how they go down the one waterfall and then they're coming to another one. It's like yeah. That- seems like that might be a big one let's just get out right here yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know i love uh first of all know, white water action scenes are just fucking cool also love a waterfall love a waterfall love a waterfall and i would even count the fugitive as a waterfall love a waterfall sure um i don't know how the fuck richard kimball survived that fall that's insane i wouldn't do it i'd be like just take me tommy lee take me um so they get behind this like this cave this badass Excuse me, cave behind the uh, the waterfall, which just that visual, just like the water, just pounding behind them. At, at dusk, yeah. Talk about sexual. Um, the bros check their gunpowder; it's all ruined. Hakai yells, "Mine's soaking wet." Um, so Cora asks about her dad. He just kind of embraces her and like whispers in her ear what he saw. Of course, it's fucked up, and she's just like, "Don't tell Alice." Yeah, don't tell us. <laughs> um, well, and through this whole movie, speaking of the gunpowder, you've seen him like every time he fires a shot. He's like got his little powder horn out and he's like reloading as he runs. Yeah. Like it's pretty impressive. Like you get the feeling that Daniel Day Lewis could like actually do that, yeah. you know. Uh, it's not just that he spent four months living in the woods. It's like he spent four months like living this fucking character. I feel like he probably ate real deer that he shot. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Um, so Alice is already just in shock about being, you know, the the say nothing to Alice of the dad's fate. She's in a day. She almost like steps into the waterfall. Uncas has to like pull her back. So this this chick is out of it and like into oblivion. Um, She's seen some shit. She has seen some shit. Uh, so we see the approaching torches. You know, Mongo's people. Uh, and basically, it's it's like, like we said before. It's basically a thing. If if the Mohicans stay, they're all going to get killed. If they leave, and it's just like the couple British guys and the girls, they'll be taken captive and. And then they can try to come back later and rescue them. And yeah. bad things will happen to them. They'll probably get beat. They'll probably get sexually assaulted. But you know, his whole thing is like you have to survive no matter what. Harden yourself and like make it through this. Um, it is the thing where he like runs at her and then jumps through the waterfall. I love though, like so we're like set up for this whole thing where like we think, oh, months later they're gonna come upon them. No, no, the Mohicans get washed down river. And they're just immediately on the trail. Like, they're just running some more. Yeah. yeah. Which makes me wonder if that's like the three hour cut. Was there like a whole thing? Is, it, is this supposed to be like months later? These dudes like run like all day. Yeah. Yeah. God, the fucking car. Yeah, it just makes me think <laughs> how good he would have been as uh, Aragorn and the two towers for that. Makes me think how fun it must scene. be to have zero body fat too. <laughs> uh, so the, of course the Hurons capture and take us prisoners. Ropes around their necks as they like drag them as prisoners. So they go to like the local Huron village where they uh they meet up with Sashem, who's like the leader. Uh and Mako just wants validation. On the on the long trek there, Cora has been like going a little off trail and like making sure to like bump into some leaves to like break some branches nice. and stuff to give them something to to track them. Nice. They don't really go into it in detail, but there's a lot of like tracking happening right. in this movie, you know, where it's like Hawkeye and Uncas and uh, Chingachukuk, uh, they they're like such excellent woodsmen that they you know can track mm. you know just I mean they're not doing like footprints they're just you know I don't know they're just like reading the vegetation you know yeah it's just that thing where 
I don't think you've ever seen it like forensically spelled out in a movie, but you're like, okay, I believe that a character sure. would yeah. have to do that. It's because when you, whenever you do that, it's annoying. Like the whole thing in the, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock, where he's like, uh, do the anatomy of a fight. It's like, this is fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, so Hawkeye struts into this Huron village. I think he's they like, just start beating the shit out of him. Well, I think he's just like, if I'm unarmed, you know, whatever. So they're trying to, I think, provoke him. Like one dude, yeah, him one down, dude just like, like slashes his chest, slashes his chest. One dude clubs him in the back of the head. There's Is Hawkeye old- going to die like four days later of an infection <laughs> or a concussion? Yeah. There's an old woman just like screaming shit at him at one point. Um, and this is the part where when he goes down and you realize the DDL is not wearing pants. He's basically wearing like chaps because you're like, as he's pulling, these are, they're like up, breeches or something. Yeah. yeah. Like you're looking almost right up his butthole. Um, so you got this great scene of Sasha, Magua, Duncan and Hawkeye and everyone's like speaking a different language. Um, well, but before Hawkeye gets there, Mogwai has like a little bit of speech of like these women, you know, I'm going to let this is what I'm going to do. We're going to burn this dude and we're going to burn her. And, you know, and like mm. kind of his, his initial plan there. Satisfy the anger of our French fathers. Uh, these women are the, the the daughters of the white war chief Monroe. Mm-hmm. So Hawkeye's just like Mogwai's heart's twisted and he wants to turn into what twisted him, which M- is a brutal M- line. Magua has become a great war leader is uh, what he says there and seeks your acknowledgement. Yeah. He's just like, I'm a badass. Look what I did. Recognize me. And then witness me. Hawkeye shows up and it's just like, yeah, you're like corrupted. Like, you know, you're basically, you've been infected by the greed of the white man. Yeah. Cause well, he, he says he wants gold at one point. You yeah. Know? Well, and that's trading for gold. That's the thing is he's just like, are the Huron going to start acting like the whites? Like that's Sasha. Is that like, is that cool? Is that what you really want to become? And then Mog was like trying to come back with him to Hawkeye, and he's just like, "You speak poison of two tongues." Mm-hmm. But it's because he is. He's like, yeah, he's playing of both. I like a Mog has a great line. We do not fear English anger. Great line. But as we're bouncing back and forth, like Huron and, and La Francais. Um, but so Hawkeye wants himself sacrificed in exchange for Cor and Alice because the initial plan was they were going to return Duncan. Uh, Mog was going to get the Mary Cora. No, Mago's going to marry Alice. They were going to burn Cora, and uh, Long Rifle was meant to go in peace. Yeah, because it's like, hey, dude, you just showed up. You can go. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to burn one of them, and uh, Mago, you'll keep the other daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. So because before that, uh, Hawkeye's like, look, I am Mohican and I am white. Like I satisfy both of your things. Take me out. Um, but part of it is uh, Al Shamari Magua. So Monroe's seed survives and Magua's heart is healed. Yeah. It's like, oh, is that all it takes? Yeah, that's all it takes. <laughs> but then the, the the great bit where uh, Hawkeye is saying like, hey, burn me instead. Take me. And Duncan translating is like, I'm a British officer. Take me. But so Hawkeye doesn't realize that that right. is what is being said. Right. But But Duncan is like, hey, sacrifice me instead and let them go. Yeah. So we forgot to mention is what I well, thought. Not let them go. Let them live. Basically, it's like, okay, Magua will take both the women. You'll kill me. And Hawkeye goes free. Yeah. What I found fascinating is when she basically gives Duncan earlier her like, you know, I'm, I've decided I'm not going to marry you. Yeah. He just like accepts it. Like there's no shitty talk, you know, like, like I, I kind of appreciated that. He wasn't an asshole. Yeah, he like he could have been much more of a heel. Yeah, and then like wow, you're like you're like. But instead, he has like this like pretty incredible like heroic arc in the the end of the movie yeah. where he's. I mean, that's some like tale to city shit where he's just like, yeah. no, it's fine. I'm gonna die so you can live. You yeah, 
Uh, so Magua doesn't like this ruling. He wants to appeal to a different Huron tribe. He, he proclaims, you are women, slaves, dogs. I spit on you. Oh, was he going to appeal? I thought he was just like piecing out. No, he's just like, I'm going to go to the Huron of the Lakes. Okay. Like, basically, to like get their ruling instead. Um, and it's great because he's yelling this in French, which is the right language for such a statement. Um, so Hawkeye's like barking for them to take him instead. But like once he once he gets what Duncan's done, he's just like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> And then uh, fucking Promontory starts bumping on the soundtrack. Um, dun, 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 dun. Get some great sense. Yeah. Uh, so you see Duncan elevated. He starts burning. It says this fucking haunted me as a kid. Like oh, he's turning black. His yeah. skin is. It's fucking- well, the smoke and the flames dancing in front of him. There's this visual distortion that makes it like dreamlike and surreal. It's terrifying. The and he's burning like, the stake like, was all something that scared the shit out of me as a kid. He's screaming in yeah. agony. Um, Season three, I think it's called Gingerbread of Buffy. There's a part where like they're about to be burned at the stake, and I had I had I had last week against PTSD. <laughs> I was like, please don't. I know this is a network TV show. There's something about that dying that way always seemed pretty awful. You know. Well, it's the thing with 9/11, man. It's like I kind of get that horrific choice. Do I want to be burned alive or do I want to jump out of a window? Um, Joan of Arc. Yeah. So. Joan of Arc makes an appearance in uh, Devs. Spoiler. Oh, does she? Excellent. Spoiler. Um, so Hawkeye and Cora get back to the Mohican crew. We've been like watching this. And like Hawkeye gets a gun that's like waiting for him. Like Uncas has got it ready. So from the distance, he shoots Dunk in the head, like puts him out of his misery with those flames. Headshot. Big headshot. After taking aim, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then they're off to find Alice. This movie is just fucking still moving. The momentum of this goddamn movie. It's just like this mountain ridge with these giant granite slabs and they're just like a path right along this ridge yeah Yeah. well half of it is just sky half the image is just sky yeah and the other half is just rock so uncas gets there first uh fights magua um, loses loses r.i.p uncas um magua's 100 it's a good fight too it's not too long but it has like a feeling of emotion to it you know yeah and it's it's clear that like at the start of it magua made some choices that were the winning choices Uh uh-huh uh, but he does that. He one hundred percent does that Darth Maul thing, where like at the end of it, he's not looking at the guy he just killed. He's like looking at Alice to be like, "Do you see what I've done?" As like Uncas just kind of like goes over and just it's the slow slide off the rock that makes it even before more the the up. long drop. Yeah. yeah, it makes it even more fucked up and tragic. Well, then Alice is kind of just like creeping towards the edge, and that shot of Magua reaching his hand out, like, "Hey, you don't need to do that," and she's just like, "Nah, fuck it." This is romance, bitch. Yeah, well, it's like this is the only choice she's allowed to make. Uh-huh. Um, lots of dead body falling shots, like really hitting on these folks that have like shuffled off the mortal coil. Uh, yeah, so Chingagook, of course, has come around the bend just in time well, to see they, his son they, die. They, yeah, they've all shown up just in time yeah. to, see, you know, to see Uncas die. Uh, Cora sees Alice go over the edge. Yeah. So Chingagook's about to go ham on these fuckers. Uh, there's a great bit where he's like running at them and it's as a. As like a, a Huron like war party members are coming at Chingagook, he's not even focusing on the guy right in front of him because he knows that Hawkeye is behind Hawkeye him. Hawkeye just blows him away. Yeah, he's like yeah. blowing guys away to get to <laughs> Hawkeye grabs two muskets at once and yes. shoots them both. Which just I'm trying to think, like pick up two long, heavy brooms and hold them yeah. just by the very ends of the handles. Yeah. Well, and you see him, he's like loading as he runs. Yeah. yeah. He fires, picks up the dude's gun who he just killed. Yeah. Fires that. Yeah. He's just like picking up weapons as he goes. 
uh, just like going ham. I mean, they take out like I don't know six or seven dudes at least. Oh, easily. And then it's like it's like it's showdown time now. Well, hold on. So Alice, I found the thing of Alice not just that he like makes a hand gesture, like come back from the edge. He almost seems I don't know. It must be he's so interesting because he's clearly playing like there's like a tenderness to it. Yeah, it's he's not just a one note villain. Like yeah. there's layers of hurt under there, but like. On top of those layers of hurt is the face of this cold-blooded fucker. Well, there's this, just, it's like, hey, you don't need to do that. Right. You know? But then once she's gone, he's just like, okay. Yeah. And he moves on. Yeah, it's wild. Um, Like, this is, like, such interesting acting in such a strange setting. Um, Yeah, so Chico catches up, and he just a little, like, duck and roll he does a totally cool duck and roll and it's like it's like everybody like clears out to like watch it's like okay these two are gonna go at it like this we're gonna decide how like shit goes down here yeah and he let the captain finish this fight on his own no it's okay (laughs) well he takes this dude out which i thought it was it was good that it wasn't like hawkeye who's the one who like shows up and you know saves the day at the end he's just like helping out i and the titular last mohicans is the one who you know, gets the battle. I am shocked. Gets a win. Then a movie from 1992 made this smart decision. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, but yeah, well, I think it's interesting is that in both these fights, the Jungkook in the Uncas versus Magua, it's a kind of implied like that, that whatever your first move in this game is, is the one. Yeah. And everything else is just like dancing around that. So it's like, it's, this they're duck, not going to like trade, you know, sword blows yeah, for 20 yeah, minutes before yeah. one of them gets a hit in. Yeah. yeah they're not fencing. Um, and at one point, like you see the bone pop out of like Magua's arm after he takes a hit. It's he does the whole like full three sixty spin around, like dry that spike yeah. into his back, and I like, got yeah. Well, because Magua kind of gives him this like this frozen gesture, where he's just like, "Do it, it's well, over, he, you won." He's got a big overhand strike with that club there, and it's not like that thing is sharp on the on. The, he's using like the other side of it. Mm-hmm. It just like that's just gonna fucking hurt. You're he's just clubbing you yeah. basically. Yeah. With uh, but it's got sharp edges, so like it can get into you in places. It can get into you. Uh-huh. Um, so when it's over, like I don't think they like let Magua slide off the side. He just falls. Yep. Um, so Hawkeye goes and like embraces Alice. Does everyone else just like clear out at this point? All the, uh, the whoever's other left is yeah. They just like, fucking run for their lives. Yeah, that was yeah. between you guys. <laughs> Look, I never even saw this asshole before earlier this afternoon. Yeah. So which version did you watch? Did you watch the director's definitive edition? I believe so. Okay. I ended up buying this on iTunes actually because the version I had, the audio was doing the weird annoying things. It's like eight bucks or something. Yeah. Good purchase. Go buy it. I had it on Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. So they have like a little funeral uh, for Uncas at the end here. Chingu acknowledges that he is the last one. I'm very curious. What is the difference? What do you mean? What's the difference between the two cuts? Oh, not much. Like... The original cut was like one twelve minutes. The director's cut was like one nineteen or one seventeen. Then they took it back to one fourteen for the definitive edition. So it's like very minor, yeah. Because that's like like one of the things in the legacy of Michael Mann is he's always like tittering with the uh, the cuts of his movies. Like I think there's like three different cuts of Miami Vice alone. I think there was some dialogue at the end that was different because I was. But supposedly he's he was furious initially that the studio wouldn't let him do the three hour version. So when they gave him the definitive cut, like it's two minutes longer. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Jingle Hook acknowledges that he is the last Mohicans and he gives Hawkeye this kind of important look. I don't know if he's like releasing him. Well, so that he has a line in the expanded edition. He's uh, or Hawk. He's like, 
saying like our race will be no more. And Hawkeye says, that is my father's sadness talking. And Chingachgook says, no, it is true. The frontier is uh, the frontier place is for people like my white son and his woman and their mm-hmm. children. And one day there will be no more frontier and men like you will go too, like the Mohicans and new people will come work struggle. Some will make their life. But once we were here, and I think they just cut that out basically yeah, yeah. of uh, the definitive director's cut. And then we're just panning over these, these fucking mountains at these credits. Looking uh, west, I suppose, right? Like I think Kentucky. so. Kentucky. Yeah, I think so. Real subtle. like they're, well, Kentucky they're should have hung on to that. Like Kentucky, not nearly. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're actually panning right. They should have panned left. That would have been funny. Yeah. Um, but, was, but real subtle. like. Yeah. Um, what a great movie. Uh, minor trivia notes I just want to throw out. There's two of them. This movie was in box office competition with Sneakers and Captain Ron. Oh, we've done one of those movies. I could see us doing the other. <laughs> yeah. Sneakers, I just want to remind you, directed by Phil Alden Robinson, who is the namesake of Alden Ehrenreich. Really? He was family friends with the Ehrenreichs. And in case you don't believe in nepotism, the reason why we have an Alden Ehrenreich, who I think is perfectly fine. He was... Uh, his dad doing, was Spielberg's accountant. It, isn't there there's like a story about like somebody he was doing like a, a, a video at a bar mitzvah or yeah. Something. yeah something like that yeah but his his dad was spielberg's accountant so there you go yeah uh changes uh well complaints first okay do okay. you have any complaints no i probably should but i don't i just love this movie i mean i guess you you could make the argument that like does it need to be about the adopted white son Mm. you know mm. um well i mean it's it's the ending is very interesting because it's talking about how hawkeye is roughly the future but even that is a temporary future that is, at least in i don't know if that's in the original book or not but that no. seems to be what this movie is driving at is that like you know that he's the last of the mohicans because you know the world has changed because the colonists have come but yeah. and then one day even his white son will be kind of put aside you know, by, you know, the new people my, that come after him. My only other frustration would be Alice, I guess. Yeah, um, that, that was my other complaint. It would have been nice to see a little bit more of Alice and Uncas's romance because mm-hmm. you definitely get the feeling there's probably like 20 minutes of scenes that they cut with just more well, of that. Like, you know, I never really focused on Uncas watching this as a kid. Um, watching it now, I'm like, oh, Eric Schweig's not, not a bad looking dude. I can kind of get their their heat. Um, what got me was you could at least do a thing where perhaps the burden of care is placed on Alice to take care of, or Cora to take care of Alice. And like that could have been the, as shitty as it is, that could have been the purpose of Alice is that she is just meant to be the little sister that Cora had, had has to struggle to give the best life to. But that, that's true. I mean, this movie... It's kind of a happy ending, but it's a fucked up happy so ending. So is that your make one change? Yeah, it'd be something to do tweaking Alice's role and everything. So I have one. I haven't mentioned this up until now. So. I wouldn't mind if uh, they turned on a couple fill lights in some of these scenes. <laughs> this movie's really visually dark. Like, I, I don't think they were entirely natural or lighting only, but like almost. It's like, like Game of Thrones There's some dark, scenes though. at night where it's like, I cannot see shit. It's not Game of Thrones dark, though. No, but it's... The, there's like... When they um, when they find the like slaughtered like Cameron family, it's like a night shot. Mm. You can't see anything. Mm. Like it's just like this is just 
darkness. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can just make out the wife. Yeah. Which is the whole purpose of, of one of the purposes of her disapproving looks earlier. Yeah. Um, I could see that for sure. <laughs> Cause I mean, you definitely get these like beautiful, like profile shots where it's just like a sliver of light. Well, you can tell the, if the they're going to film this now with like modern digital cameras that get enough light. You know, but yeah. If they film this now, which by the way, they're going to do, supposedly it's in development as an HBO Max. This? Well, Last of the Mohicans. So there's a lot to draw on there. Because it's like, it's like a five book series that wasn't remotely yeah. like this. Like, I don't think there's a romance in there. But no, and Cora dies, I believe, in the book. Yeah. Cora of African defense, uh, descent dies. Yeah. Like, this would be the start of the fucking, like, uh, like it'd be a guaranteed sequel. They did it now, right? Can't we just make movies, man? But like you know, they would just be like everyone signed for like a three picture deal minimum. So the idea of getting Daniel Day Lewis to come back for a sequel is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why God, he would have been so good as Aragorn. But it's it's there's like roles there's just no way he was ever going to be like being a big blockbuster, you know, special effects and stuff. Like I think they offered him like ten million at the time, which was like big for the yeah. time, you know. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, nah. I am very proud of myself, though, because at the time we were like hanging on casting. You did ask me who would I cast as Strider because I was just reading the books then. And I did say Daniel Day-Lewis. And you were like, in your fucking face, they're trying to get him. Yeah. He's he's perfect casting for that character because he can be this kind of like slightly sleazy seeming like Longshanks dude. But he also like he can like put on the regal persona, which to me, that was what Vigo always lacked is I didn't really buy it like the kingly side of him. Scummy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want Daniel Day-Lewis to do that script or that director. No, he. I, I just. But can you imagine the uh, like Daniel Day-Lewis, whatever accent he uses, being like, "Are you scared? I'm not scared enough." Uh, <laughs> like the fucking Two Towers is a goddamn mess of a movie. Like, doesn't like Aragorn spend like half that or an hour of that movie just like floating downstream, well, he, like, pouting? He rides off a cliff and they think he's dead, and then he has some flashbacks, and yeah. Eh. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of people like those movies. I I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I like the books too much. Oh, the books are fun. The part in uh, Aragorn the- is not supposed to be your character entry point. He's supposed to be kind of aloof. Like the hobbits are the your Peter Jackson your doesn't POV give a characters. shit about those hobbits. No, he does not. That's the whole problem I have with those movies. Uh, the 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 children's prequel did not need to be a like nine hour movie adaptation. But is it Helm's Deep where um? Gimli and the other one are just having like the running like tally of yeah. who they've killed. Like it's awesome. I mean, that's in the movie, but yeah. is it in the movie? Okay. Yeah. It's a little cartoonish, but you know, hmm. whatever. Oh, I mean, it's half of it's an adaptation of the Bakshi movie. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my make one change is to not have done the Lord of the Rings movies with Peter Jackson. Okay. Such a spicy take. I know so many people get mad every time I bring that up, but I just, I would like to see. I'm sorry to hear about your lives, folks. Yeah. What? Sorry to hear about those people's unhappy lives. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would just, uh, someday, I'd like to see a different take on the material that maybe was a little more focused on the hobbits mm. and kind of like look at the way Tolkien to- told the story and just think, hmm, maybe we should tell it that way too. Mm. So putting a fucking camera up on the flying Nazgul thing. Uh. Well, and, and think about like your frustration with, with how this scene is lit. Where it's like everything is blue and some of those things to hide like poor special effects. I don't want to talk about two yeah. hours or this movies anymore. Um, Power rankings. I stretched it out to 14. I got 10. Okay. Uh, 14 was going to be Chief O'Brien. Like I said, I didn't know where he was. 
13 is combo Pete Pulse away from Jared Harris because fuck yeah. 12, the French general, Montcalm. Uh, 11, uh, I really wanted to squeeze him into my 10, but I was too pretentious not to, to get it. So Sashim. Okay. Uh, number 10, I have the Camerons, RIP. Oh, I don't have the Camerons at all. They're yeah. going to be 15. The Camerons, and there's another dude who like hangs out in that dinner scene. Anyway, yeah. Uh, 10, I've got Colonel Monroe, who is played by an actor named Maurice Rovez, who for my entire life, I actually thought was David Hedison, hmm. who played Felix Leiter in one Roger Moore Bond this film guy, and one he, Timothy Dalton Bond film. And this dude has got cheekbones. This guy looks like he's been in stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like he just looks like sweaty David Hedison in a powdered wig. But nope, he's he's an actual Scottish guy. Yeah, I've got uh, Edmund Monroe at number nine. Nice. Monroe, good good surname. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were searching for distinguished actors of cheekbones before Dan Day Lewis, mm-hmm. right? Even this guy. Um, number nine, I have The Waterfall. Because fuck yeah, I've got The Waterfall. You put The Waterfall in, huh? Bet your ass I Man. did. Yeah. I, I'm so I'm sorry. Sorry, Session. I could get Session in, but I got The Waterfall. <laughs> uh, I've got General Montcalm at number eight. Interesting. Okay. Just a, just a sassy French bitch. <laughs> he loves drama. Um, and choirs. Children's choirs. I I feel shitty about this, but really, it's it's the movie's fault, not mine. Number eight, I've got Alice. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, she could be like your like number one. Number seven, I've got Duncan. He could maybe be higher, but I don't know. He he was a real prick for half the movie, and then he came on strong at the end there. Yeah, this will be interesting. Seven, I've got Uncas. Uncas is another character who like could have had more. Like along with Alice, could have had a lot more. But. Not just the weird thing about this movie. It's been general. This movie is almost two hours long, but it it feels like barely anything happens in it. You know, like, like the the plot is so simple. Yeah. And it's just like, you're so captivated by the filmmaking that it's like, yeah, you just watched three minutes of somebody running, but it was like dramatic and the score is pumping. And, you know, we straight up get two intros then an A and a B and a C. Yeah. I mean, that's the movie's over. Uh, wait, seven now? No, seven was Uncas and you okay. had Duncan. Okay, number six, I've got Magua. Interesting. Six is where I would put Duncan. And Duncan could have, he could have been a switch of Uncas for me, but he's got not just his redemption, but like the scene that's fucking haunted me my entire life. Him being burned alive? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got Uncas at number five. Okay. He, uh, he gave it his best shot. He did lose, though. Yeah. So maybe I should put Magua higher. I don't know. Because you could have done a whole thing with Uncas, not just with the Alice stuff, but like really hitting home that he is like the promised torchbearer of the Mohican people and their culture. I don't know that he is, though. I, I guess the way I've always read this movie is that even before he dies, Chingachuk is still the last of the Mohicans. Probably. It's like because his son has grown up in a different world. True. True. You know? True. And, and as much as. He's been raised by Chingachuk, like Uncas is brother to Hawkeye. I mean, like, look at that fucking guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you not inspired by all of that? Um, so number five, right? Yeah. I have Chingachuk at number five. Okay. I've got Cora at number four. You could put Alice higher than Cora. <laughs> you are General Montcalm. I just like Jody May. I'm sorry. She's great. Especially the like, let's talk about how sexy, like the little braid thing. Yeah. It was on the side of her head. Um, yeah, that's some 
uh, you know, time travel Dinah casting there. I feel very weird about finding her adorable because she's 17 in this movie. I'm like in my 30s. This crush started <laughs> when I was much younger. I don't know. It's I, it's I, fine. Yeah. Um, it's not like I'm writing like erotic fan yeah. fiction about her or anything. <laughs> Um, she's very arresting as the Queen of Cilantro too. Uh, my number four is Sintra. Magua because I've always been fascinated by Magua. Like he's so evil, but he's so compelling, and he's got that thing that previously I appreciated by Thanos in Infinity War, where he's like, "I'm going to do this quite frankly shocking thing," <laughs> and then he fucking does it. <laughs> yeah, he has um. Just like a layer of depth to him where it would be easy to imagine this role of just being like pure, that guy's just evil, right. you know, but like there's, you know, like that moment with Alice, like yeah. that, that hint of tenderness and, you know, from his perspective, he's the hero. It's like these assholes showed up and, yeah. you know, killed all his people and basically enslaved him for years and years. And I think the movie is kind of suggesting it too, because the French general is like, what's your story? Yeah. And he gets part of it. And then later he's just like, really, what's your story? And uh-huh. it's like, I don't know, just like having him do it in pieces. I don't know. Mock was fascinating. Uh, we're at number three. Yeah. Uh, I've got Chingachgook. Okay. Uh, the last of the Mohicans, man. He kicked some ass at the end. He kicked some fucking ass. Of course, he had to witness his poor son get killed. But just uh, again, when they come for for Natty Bumpo in the bunk thing, there, like he is just like up, like ready to fuck British dudes up. Like, what do you want my white son for? Yeah. Well, you can you can imagine this movie ending with like him and Uncas dying and Hawkeye yeah. being the one who gets to kick ass, but it doesn't, which yeah. I really like. You yeah. know, is that? I mean, is Tom Cruise literally the last samurai? No, I think the I I can't remember, but I think it's, it's like supposed Ken to be a Watanabe. similar thing where Ken Watanabe okay. is too. Yeah. I mean that movie's fine. Mm. Um, I want to see parts of it. My number three is Mountain Stowe as Cora. Like again, this is partially like me appreciating her in this movie. This is part like I just responding to like some embedded thing in my DNA. Um she just looks like she's on the cover of a bodice ripper the whole time. I mean Mountain Stowe's gorgeous. She's so such an interesting presence because she's got kind of a husky voice. I don't know. It's she's like in a higher register for most of this though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Alice. Okay. I just like Judy May. And now that I think about it, she would actually with time travel make a perfect Dinah. Hmm. Um my number two is Danny Lewis's Hawkeye, of course. You're number two, huh? Yeah. You know I'm doing something shitty for the beginning. For the, for the number okay. one. Okay. Yeah, I've got Hawkeye at number one, man. Daniel Day Lewis just it's some of the time when it's like, oh, he's so fucking method. Like, like as much as I enjoy Bill the Butcher, mm-hmm. it's pretty ridiculous. It's cartoonish. Yeah, it's yeah. cartoonish. Whereas like this feels completely naturalistic. The I mean, his best nightmare character, because he likes to play nightmare people, is Daniel Plainview. Yeah. You know, because there is, I mean, that's some horror movie. And like he is compelling as fuck in that movie. Uh, I mean, just, uh, I have a competition in me. I want no one else to win. If you have a milkshake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a Madeline Stowe, and I do some, I'm a euphemism that I shouldn't finish on this podcast, and I drink up your Madeline Stowe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one is, it's Promontory, man. It's the, it's the last track okay. on the soundtrack, for sure. I, so at work in my office, I don't have, other access to like playing music. I don't like just like pull my phone out and plug in the speakers or anything. So I have like YouTube clips that I'll play for music in the background. I'm working 
and uh i will find like the hour-long extended just promontory and i'll just be like yeah get shit done it's sexy some sex fiddle blaring it's a great soundtrack yeah this movie's fucking great i really hope people like it if you don't that's you or something I, I i feel like it's a really easy movie to watch like it is i don't know maybe some people will be bored by it i don't know but like i feel like it just it should be captivating enough to hold your attention. I don't think it like falls apart as like other nineties artifacts. I mean, there's a, there's an air to sneakers, which I could see like holding back like a modern younger audience. Now, like you'd have to kind of like dial into it a little bit to like appreciate it. This, I think it just fucking works. It's just a, a nice, simple, strong story that they're telling for realsies. So what are we watching next? Uh, so I had a had a pretty good. Uh, so we're not watching Casino Royale because they push back. Yeah, no time to die. Wait till November for that. I had a good idea that's both topical and continuing a trend from this movie. Can you guess what it is? It's either going to be Contagion. No. Um. What's that Dustin Hoffman one for Ney Russo? Not that one. Not a drama strain. You've mentioned it on this podcast already. Oh shit! What? It's about a uh, a plague. You know. A, a, a disease that, that wipes out humanity. Oh, 28 days later? No. Oh, uh, what did they say? 12 monkeys. Oh, okay. Nice. Continuing our Madeline Stowe vibes. Continuing on the Madeline Stowe track. You and I watched that together a couple months ago. I could definitely watch that again. I could watch it again. Um, not. I mean, it's kind of about a, uh, a pandemic, but not yeah. entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It involves a pandemic. Yeah. It involves- but that, to me, that felt... Uh, topical without being too topical you know well, without it, being contagion we're just scaring ourselves but contagion there's not there's not much more than like an hour's worth to say with contagion like i don't really want to go into like top moments of contagion you know what i mean i don't want to do power rankings like contagion i mean i don't know i'm talking about contagion i watch half of it but like <laughs> also i feel like jude law since i'm talking about it now <laughs> that is the movie where i think jude law is most like in real life oh yeah 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 I mean, he's like, talk about like for such a simple role, like, you know, a movie where a character so effectively plays a villain that you kind of hate the actor retroactively. I kind of dislike a lot of those. I mean, I kind of really dislike Jude Law, I think, because of Contagion. I can see that. Yeah. It's pretty sleazy. Yeah. All right, cool. 12 Monkeys. All right. Yeah. 12 Monkeys. Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam is problematic as fuck. Not not, a Me Too way. then, but now, right? Yeah, 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 now, now. Yeah, not a Me Too way, thankfully. Just in a shut your fucking mouth, old man way. Yeah, just 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 stop talking, dude. You're, <laughs> you're not helping yourself. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Presumably we're or, all still alive. Or a lot sooner, because yeah. you're on furlough or whatever, right? Like you're I am here. You yeah. Know, so, so who we'll knows? See. Uh my one of my things that usually keeps me busy got canceled for oh, yeah. several months. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. America canceled. <laughs> you just, it's Friday the 13th in March of 2020. You just wait till they suggest that we should postpone elections or do something. You just, well, they've already up. postponed uh, Louisiana elections. So, but yeah. no, like November, you just, you just fucking wait till someone suggests it. I don't want to think about that right now. Okay. Just think about washing your hands, coughing into your elbow, flattening the curve. What are you doing? Getting something out. Oh, hand sanitizer. Where they actually you got that from the store, huh? Nope. No. So from work. 
Okay. I was going to say, I, I took a peek when I was out earlier. I didn't, I don't, I don't know. I, I can wash my hands with soap, the, but like I went and took a peek and there was just like cleaned out completely. Oh, the toilet paper aisle. Also, don't be shitty. You don't need three months of toilet paper, people. You don't fucking need it. Yeah. Leave people who do. God damn. Although I did buy extra of the wet wipes, so my booty's getting pampered. I wish you get some of those. Yeah, there. It's a treat. Yeah. You might not go. I feel back. like it's like everyone's like going full bidet now. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's where it's at. That's where things are going. <laughs> I'll be there in a couple hours. I need to take a shit, and then after I have to immediately take a bath. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Bye bye. Bye.